Let us review in detail the separate actions which take place in an AM transmitter. The information or intelligence to be transmitted starts as sound waves which travel through air. The microphone picks up these waves and transforms them into electrical energy. She's a lady. Oh, 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 she's a lady. AM Gold, all of your favorite hits of the 60s and 70s in one fantastic collection. The just $9.99 on compact disc or double link cassette. That's 22 fabulous hits. Then audition other great AM Gold albums. There's no minimum to buy. Cancel any time. Order AM Gold 1971. Call 1-800-681-0909. Call now or send $9.99 plus $3.50 shipping and handling to the address on your screen. The Mooney Broadcasting Corporation. WMAK. Nashville. Ladies and gentlemen, Scott Shatter. Good afternoon. Shatter on the radio. What a nice day it is outside. I feel twice as good as I did yesterday, which is remarkable considering Spooner's anniversary party last night. Seals and Crop, telling it like it seems to be summer breeze in the city. Chicago in concert at the stadium, plus your choice of any Chicago album. Tell me, WLS is your favorite radio station. If you're the 15th caller and you do all of that, you're going to win the goodies. Don't give up on us, baby. Someday I'm going to find a quiet little town and settle down. Words in the song, possibly maybe up in Napa. What a great place to live. What a beautiful place. Sit around and squish grapes all day or something. Jerry Rafferty with Robin Bailey. <laughs> 30 minutes before 7 o'clock. I was made for loving you. Just pull my string and look out. Because here I come. That's Kiss with Robin Bailey. I was just talking to Sarah, my request line operator tonight. Hello, KYTE. Indeed. No, the popcorn. The. Oh, I'm not a celebrity. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess. Hi. Hi. How are all of you girls tonight? Just fine. What can I do for you? Well, we just, we just called to see what you were. Hey, I'm doing good. Are you having a party or what? Well, kind of, yeah. How many people there? How many? Four. Well, I want to thank you. Yeah. And I want to thank you. And I want to thank you. And I want to thank you. And thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being a friend. All right. Welcome to KCFX. Your hits of the 70s. All day. <laughs> That's right. All night. All right. Welcome, everybody, to episode 22 of the Cultural Futures Exchange. This one's called KCFX 70s AM Radio Gold. As you might get a little bit of a hint from the intro clips. Uh, this is going to be a fun one. Uh, and again, it's a little trip down memory lane for old people like us. But uh, we hope it'll be interesting for others as well. So welcome. 
welcome, welcome, welcome. welcome. Uh, I wonder if those girls, those teenage girls, it sounded like talking to, to Pat uh, Clark there, realized Pat was probably like 50 and bald and fat. And, you know, they're all excited about talking. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's the thing. I, you know, I used to work with a lady and I, I, I could probably talk about this in my personal history. I totally forgot about this. This woman, Anne, I, I was doing customer services before I got into more tech stuff. And I was doing customer service for, you know, a division of Apple. And she was a DJ. And she had this incredible voice. So yeah. she did all of our like, uh, you know, messaging. Like if people would call and get voicemail, she did everything. And she had this velvety voice. Not an attractive person, really. <laughs> you know, she did not look like her voice at all, but yeah. she was amazing sounding. And she was actually, so she did radio part-time because by then, you know, this is the golden age in the 70s and 60s. These DJs, you know, it was a good job, you know, and if you got a good market, you had a good job. But, you know, it was rare in the 90s for someone to make that much money doing this. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, it was it was interesting. Uh, you know, I forgot about I have another little thing I'll add to my history, too, that I forgot to kind of put in the notes. But so, yeah, we're going to talk about this thing called AM radio, which is interesting to talk about, because I think, you know, we really come at the tail end of this as Jeff, you know, you played that clip from Time Life. A lot of those songs are really early 70s or even late 60s. And that was kind of the real heyday because our childhood was more taken over by FM radio. Right. Uh, which is another episode, right? So we won't be talking about FM, but let's talk about what AM and FM actually are. Well, before we right? do that, so, let, let me just remind people that the uh, Culture of Futures Oh, yeah, Cultural yeah. Futures Exchange, the conceit, yeah. Uh, CFX for short is the place where we examine different elements of cultural ephemera, music, movies, radio, uh, TV, stage, screen, you got it, all of it. Dive into the context and the time that they came out, what's happened since our take on the future valuation of the item in terms of a fake stock market sort of thing. If you should go long on it and buy it, go short and sell it or or stay neutral and to whatever degree that you're long and short. Um, and that's kind of the deal. So it's not hard to figure out. You'll get it as you go along if you're new. Um, if you're not new, you already know it. It's old hat. So let's talk about the difference between AM and BM. I mean, AM and FM. Right <laughs> Doesn't yeah, know much so, to so married with there's children. There's this thing called radio, right? We know what that is. That's been around for a long time, and it's still kind of hanging on, uh, even though, you know, the internet has largely superseded radio in a lot of ways, and people are listening to things like Pandora and Spotify, which have kind of taken the place of radio. And then, of course, there's a satellite radio, which is a form of radio as well. Uh, but, it, you know, in the beginning, there was there was AM, which stands for amplitude modification, modulation, sorry. And, and the way to think of AM is, you know, if you have a wavy signal like the squiggly line, like a slinky, the AM kind of compresses vertically and then expands vertically. And what this enables it to do is it actually can travel really far distances. So you, you would have these phenomenon as a kid where you would get these AM. I mean, the radio station I'm going to talk about as a kid actually came from Baja, California in Mexico. Uh, even though I lived hundreds of miles away in Orange County, I could get this radio station. And that's one of the advantages of AM. And they would even, there's even a phenomenon where because the, the waves actually react with the atmosphere with the way the amplitude mod modulation works. You could actually get radio stations from like thousands of miles away if the weather had there were weird weather patterns or sunspots and stuff. So and AM was like, like mountains and right. you know, things like that. right mountains. AM would 
you know, but the problem with AM is it has a lot of interference. So that's when you're listening to AM, the sound quality isn't as good and there isn't as much, uh, there isn't the ability to put as much information. So they didn't really have stereo. They tried to do AM stereo toward the end. It was like an experimental thing, but it never really panned out. And you'd get like these, a lot of static and stuff with AM. So it wasn't really the best sounding thing. Um, and so, you know, it eventually became a thing where this other, FM was invented in like around, we'll talk about it in the history, is invented around 1930. And this, to think about it, is the waves kind of, they're, they're vertically the same on the same plane, but they kind of widen and narrow. So that's the frequency being modulated. And what that enabled you to do is, A, put more information in the signal, and then it also had much better sound, but it was much more affected by like a barriers, right? Like so mountains and things like that. So FM is much more and you know much it can travel less far but the sound quality was way better right and um you know we should mention that these are different frequency ranges and the am frequency is much wider much more uh you know there's much more room for am stations uh which was good because fm didn't travel very far so you know if you had like fm would be like you know a station would be like 100.1 there would be 100.1 in one town and then you go to the next and be taken over by another Whereas AM, there was much more stations like in the thousands, um, you know, in the frequency. And then, and then, so those are the advantages, right? FM sounds better and it was eventually used more for music and AM travels farther distances. And so it was eventually used more for talk radio and sports and things like that, right? Yep. Um, and so in our day was really the age of FM taking over AM for music. But a part of our childhood was definitely uh, AM was part of that, right? So that's what we're going to talk about more. And we'll talk about the, you know, uh, we'll probably reference some songs that are more FM oriented that were also played on AM that we're not going to include. And we're going to basically go over this kind of music and, and we'll talk a little bit more of our personal histories. And then we'll talk a little bit more about you know, the history of radio, but also what AM gold means to us, because it can kind of mean different things to different people, depending on when you grew up. And so why don't we go into the personal histories? I'll talk first. So, you know, growing up, my original exposure to radio was not AM. As I mean, it was and it wasn't, right? So if my parent, you know, I was driving in the car with my parents when we were listening to the radio. We didn't really listen to the radio at home so much. My parents listened to more records. So when we were driving in the car and we were driving around town, we obviously got FM radio. And then we listened to this station called KNX. I've mentioned it before uh, on other episodes. KNX FM, it was a soft rock station. It was a huge influence on me as a kid. Um, and I actually found this little clip of it. So if you, Jeff, you could play that first clip of KNX. It's kind of funny. Yep. And here it is. So yeah, it was taking it easy. It was a mellow rock. It was like a, a big deal at the time, oh, you know, a lot of the soft rock. And some of my songs kind of touch on that a little bit with the AM gold. But for the most part, I tried to avoid anything that was too much in that KNX wheelhouse, just because that's kind of, maybe that's another episode or it's another thing. Um, but I remember, so we used to go visit my cousin and my grandfather. They lived in this town called Boron, California. Boron is actually named after the chemical element boron because it was there were mines 
where people would mine this element and they turn it into this product called borax, which was a, a form of soap. It was used for soap. And um, they had this whole thing about the 20 mule team and all this. And my uncle worked in the actual mines and my dad worked in the mines for a while when he lived there, when he was uh, first married to my mom. And so we would go drive out there. And it's it like was in the middle in, of nowhere. It's like the ends of the earth in California. sort of. Yeah, thing. it's in Kern County and it's past Barstow and Victorville and all these really, it's way in the desert. So it was in the middle of nowhere. So as we would drive out there, reception would go away. Like FM reception would go away. And that's when we turned to AM. So we'd listen to AM and that's where I heard a lot of this AM gold. And one of the things we would do, we'd drive there Friday nights. My dad would get off of work. And he would come and pick up me and my sister. My parents were divorced at this time. And he'd pick up me and my sister, him and my stepmom, and we would start driving out. That was a two-hour drive. And about halfway through, it would cut out. So oftentimes, we'd turn on AM radio instead. And then later, there was another form of uh, AM radio, which was an old-school uh, thing called radio, you know, basically radio dramas. Yep. Like my dad called them the radio mysteries. And I still love these to these this day. And they were things, you know, in the forties and stuff. And they were like kind of, you know, uh, suspense and, and comedy and things like that. So we would listen to that as well. But I remember listening to that, you know, going up to, uh, to Boron. And then I remember, um, uh, I also had a transistor radio. So these were first invented in the 50s. And they were basically these little, uh, you know, radios that were about you could hold in your hand. And they would they were mostly just AM. They would eventually be AM and FM. But I had an AM one and I had this little headphone that would plug into the side it and white, it would just right? go into little one ear. Right? It was white. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it sounded like absolute shit. And I would and. The really the time I was listening to this when I was about in fourth grade, I was really into this station called Mighty Six Ninety, and it played all the hits. And all of my AM Gold is from this period, so we'll talk more about what AM Gold is and isn't. And I think my my choices are a little weird because they're kind of later than the the really what I think most people would think of as seventies AM Gold. I think that's more early seventies. My stuff is late seventies because that's when I was listening to it. So it's my personal choices, even though I think some of the songs I pick, you know, they may be a little, it, it, not quite the classic AM Gold. A couple of them I think still fit into that, that, that uh, genre. I think Jeff's, a lot of yours are more in the classic AM gold because the AM stations of the late seventies would still play this early seventies stuff. You would hear like the new hits, but they would still play like three dog night or yeah. Jim Croce, but we'll get into more of that later. Um, but I was listening to mighty six ninety, So let's play a little clip from mighty six ninety. So you can hear what it sounded like. California weather fair through tomorrow at seven or nine morning, low clouds, 75 Los Angeles at the mighty six ninety. Yeah, so that's a little clip from Mighty 690 DJ. And and again, these radio stations were providing a kind of service as well. So they would, you know, you would hear traffic updates all the time, right? Because people are listening to these in their car. So they would have heli a helicopter, you know, uh, flying over the freeways. And they would, you know, we didn't have like uh, GPS and all this stuff that we have now that will tell us what traffic is like Waze and Google Maps and all this. We had like to re resort to the, you know, people had to resort to the radio. They would also tell them the weather. Like we didn't have phones with the weather app. We had the DJs telling us the weather report, right? So these were these constantly, were kind of the other things. Constantly, yeah, constantly. Like, like, right? like every fifteen minutes, you get and they would advertise this. Like you'll get right. traffic and weather every ten minutes on this channel, just because 
you know, you needed updates on what was going on, especially in Southern California where traffic was always yeah. horrible, even a thousand years ago when we were kids. Yeah, and I think we're looking today at about, you know, 71 degrees here in San Francisco Bay Area with, uh, <laughs> you know, slight haziness uh, in the clouds, you know, maybe cooling down toward the evening. And uh, we're also going to be playing some commercials because radio commercials were, uh, you know, completely part of this. You know, they were, they were constant as well, right? Um, and then I remember, as far as the song, the content of AM radio, the hit radio, right? Because I mentioned there were sports and all this stuff. So the hit radio... Uh, you know, I associate this incredibly, you know, it's completely tied in with this thing called KTEL Records. And KTEL Records were these was this cheap record company that would put together a bunch of hits. I have several of these records in my record collection because they're easy to find at thrift shops and stuff. They're like a couple dollars. And they would be a lot of the songs we're going to play were on these compilations. And they were cheap compilations that were advertised on television and on the radio. You could send a check or money order to KTEL and you would get this record with like 24 songs you could buy onto a car record. washes and stuff too. right exactly yeah they were just all over they were ubiquitous and then of course around this time you know the between 77 and 79 was my am gold golden age and around 79 when i was like maybe in fifth grade i started to get into classic rock and i pretty much switched over to fm radio uh, which was mostly KMET and KLOS in Los Angeles. I think Jeff has a similar tale. And I completely abandoned AM at this time. I never listened to AM unless we were in the car and it wasn't available. You know, I kind of uh, revisit some of the old AM gold stations, uh, but they were kind of dying out at this time and really talk radio um, and sports and stuff really took over the AM bandwidth. I mean, you could still find AM stations out there that play songs, but it's just not as common. Uh, as it was. So that's, I think that's it for my history, really, with the AM. Yeah, mine was somewhat similar. I listened to a station in LA called uh, KHJ 93. Um, they played a lot of uh, rock uh, AM. They were sort of, I think, a holdout uh, before you go into the uh, FM world, as you were uh, describing. And if you're curious about uh, KHJ and its sort of centrality to the late 60s and into the 70s, if you, the Quentin Tarantino movie, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, um, they're constantly playing air checks in the background from this uh, radio station. It's almost like a character in the movie, sort of like on, uh, you know, Grand Theft Auto, Vice City, how that radio station is a character in the, in the game. It's the sort of same deal with, um, with, the, with this station. And they played all, they played uh, a lot of the, what is now classic rock at the time. We just called it rock. It wasn't classic yet. Uh, but, you know, a lot of the, you know, even playing Foreigner and stuff like that, but they play a lot of these, like you were saying, earlier hits from the 70s, sometimes the late 60s, um, including stuff like the Beach Boys and, and stuff like the Carpenters, which are out of scope uh, for this uh, broadcast, as, we, as we'll talk about. But that's sort of the deal. I had the transistor radio sort of thing. I actually had a kit that I built. Um, that was oh, an, wow. Yeah. So, um, and I listened to that. I was... It was really shitty, but I had made it, you know, from some little kit with a circuit board and like a thousand kids did. And I listened to it with a shitty little white single uh, headphone um, as well. And I'd listened to KHJ and some other stuff, too. And I was a fan of the uh, radio dramas that they would replay. Uh, some of them were new, but some of a lot of the ones that they would play in the 70s were from like the 50, 40s and 50s and stuff like that. And I, I like them. They were really well done and they were uh, cool. I still like them. I don't listen to them that much, but, um, 
I, I like them. So uh, let's play our first uh, commercial here so you can get the, the flavor of the kind of things that we are uh, subjected to. For Armour Hot Dogs, here's America's first lady of soul, Aretha Franklin. Hot dog. Hot dog. I'm a hot dog. Hot dog. So I, I want to understand who these sissy kids were. That's what I would understand. Uh, yeah, I think that was me. I was <laughs> sissy and a little chubby. And yeah, I probably tucked into it. I was more into ballpark Franks. I think yeah. that was our brand. Uh, about, you I, know, I liked Farmer John. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Farmer John with Ben Scully <laughs> yeah. of the Dodgers. You know, because we grew up in Los Angeles yeah. and that was the Dodgers announcer. Yeah. Who just um, recently passed away at like 90 something years old. So uh, rest yeah. in peace, Vince. Uh, you were awesome. So. But yeah, I mean, it's crazy they got this absolute legend to show for this forgettable hot dog company. You know, like, it's so crazy. Um, you know, such is the power of uh, of of corporate uh, food products. Um, but as far as like uh, you know, the main inventor of radio, as we know, is this guy uh, Guglielmo Marconi, right? Marconi invented uh, the radio, and he. Um, Really, when he invented the radio, it was used more for a form of wireless uh, telegraphy. So it was like the telegram, but wireless, right? And then, you know, as we know, he played the Mambo and built the city on rock and roll and all that stuff, right? Yeah. Um, so, um, Thanks, uh, yeah, he, he, you know, at any rate, he got a Nobel Prize, created a radio factory. But the first guy to really use radio for, for sound, like that we care about, was this guy named Reginald Fessenden. Uh, you know, he basically did the first radio broadcast ever in 1906, and he invented AM, essentially what we talked about earlier, right? Um, and then, you know, radio started becoming big in the 20s. That was the first time news, entertainment, and sports were broadcast. Uh, in 1933, Edwin Armstrong invented FM. Uh, but again, FM wouldn't take off for a long time. It was kind of more of a, you know, a lot of the AM stations would kind of put their stuff on FM, but not as many people had FM systems at this time. It was kind of a newer technology and it wouldn't rise uh, for a long time. So AM was really the, the dominator here. The first transistor radios were built in the 50s um, and uh you know, we didn't see FM rise until really the late 60s, early 70s, and mostly in the form of pirate radio, right? Since it was a short wave and it wasn't paid as attention to, you know, I remember in the UK, there were these pirate radio stations that would basically be broadcast off of barges that were outside of the jurisdiction of the of the authorities. And they would play all kinds of album cuts. And that's how FM became more of an al what we call album-oriented rock. Right, which is the majority of what Jeff and I grew up listening to. Right. I would say that overwhelmed, at least in my case, that overwhelmed AM was a very short period of when I was really into it. I really got into FM more. And that's that could that was most of my childhood and young adulthood was listening to FM radio. Um uh, but again, as I mentioned, AM was was predominantly after that used for talk radio, especially right wing talk radio, which would become a, a huge thing, right? Um, now, what is AM Gold? So AM Gold, 
means different things to different people, depending on your generation. Like you could say AM Gold is in the 60s, like, you know, stuff like Summer in the City by the Love and Spoonful, the Beach Boys, you know, all these all these hits, right? Even Motown could be AM Gold. What we're talking about is mostly the 70s. And I think when people think of the 70s AM Gold, they think about the early 70s. They think about stuff like Jim Croce, right? For example, Three Dog Night. These artists that had massive amounts of hits, but they were never played on FM radio. Right. Right. Um, the, even even kind of garbage like the Osmonds. Right. Obviously, Elton John was massive. You know, again, sometimes played on FM radio, but not so much. Um, ABBA. Right. Uh, the band Bread, you know, the kind of soft rock of bread. Jeff mentioned the Carpenters. Um, we should also mention the Spinners, like one of my favorites. Uh, I loved them as a kid um, and they had a ton of hits. Right. Um, and then you have like these one hit wonders like uh, Kung Fu Fighting by Carl Franklin, which is essentially a novelty song, but it was a massive hit. Uh, the Night Chicago Died by Paper Lace, right? Yeah. Um, Brother Louie, that song, Louie, 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 yeah. by the band Stories, right? Uh, the uh, Tony Orlando and Don, uh, not one of my favorites, right? Uh, you know, and these were like, ribbon, right? oh yeah, the worst. Absolutely, absolutely terrible. So this is when I think when most people think of AM Gold, they think of this era, right? For me, it's a, it's a little later, just because that's when I was listening to the to the radio and they were playing Top Forty, and there's kind of an overlap between like Top Forty, One Hit Wonders, AM Gold, and I think you know we'll talk more about what we've decided to focus on, but obviously we're not going to do the Carpenters or ABBA or Bread. Those bands could have their own entire episode, right? If a band could have its own entire episode or they have tons of hits, they're probably not going to be, they're not something we wanted to focus on because if we could do an episode on those groups, you know, that affected our childhood, we would, we'll just do an episode on them. Like, I don't think we're going to include a lot of those. Um, we'll, we'll definitely mention them. Uh, as honorable mentions, but again, we're not really going to include it. And I mentioned my AM gold is the late seventies. And another thing is, um, you know, when you're looking for seventies hits on YouTube and you're kind of like, I want to find the AM gold. One thing I ran into is a lot of European shit, you know, people from England who are posting stuff. And this is completely different with the exception of one thing, which is ABBA. ABBA yeah. was a global phenomenon, right? Even the Carpenters too. They were pretty global. Like I remember There's when I went to- There's a huge museum in Stockholm. That's an ABBA museum. It's very popular to this day in Stockholm, Sweden. Oh yeah, ABBA. And they had Mamma Mia and all that. ABBA still is like lived on, right? And I think, uh, I remember when I was in Japan, I lived in Japan for a year and a half after graduating from college. I taught English for a year and a half. I remember, you know, obviously there was karaoke we all did, and it was full of carpenters. I mean, Japan, the Japanese people love the carpenters. They were huge there. So some of these bands were global, but then you'd have stuff in, in Europe uh, like Boney M, which is a really weird uh, group that was, I think the guy who did Boney M would later do Millie Vanilli, I believe. Uh, and they were kind of a similar thing where they had these People, you know, some of the some of the members of Boney M were singers, but others were just lip syncing. So it was kind of like this bubblegum fake thing, but they were huge. And I remember my uh, grandparents, my grandfather was an airplane mechanic for Northrop and he was stationed in Switzerland for a couple of years. And they brought back this Boney M record. And it's like this record was like these African-American, you know, members of Boney M. They're like practically nude and they're all in these chains, like this bondage thing. And I thought it was such a weird thing for my grandparents to have, you know, this this kind of sexual cover. But the music is just the worst. 
You know, it's just absolute garbage. I, I kind of feel for the Europeans and their AM gold because I think our AM gold is way better. Um, even though we're going to talk about some AM gold that's not so good, and we'll get into that in a minute. But, you know, as I mentioned, AM radio was characterized by, you know, they had, as you as you heard from the clips, they had traffic reports, they had weather, they had these giveaways, right? They would do like concert ticket giveaways and album giveaways. There's even one where I listened to it and someone, you know, got a six pack of dad's root beer as a prize, you know, uh, really. And and of course, you always have the DJs always talking over the intros to the songs, like right? This, you have like the song starting to play. I think I have one from KHJ. All right. Nine o'clock in Southern California. Good morning. How you feeling? Feel like a smudge on a page in the book of life today, huh? Well, you're more than that to me. This is Mark Elliott, and I'm ready to do it for you with a trip for two to the Summer Olympics. Like that, right? Awesome. Yeah. So you, that that was a huge thing, you know. And part of part of me was always bothered by that because I just wanted to hear the yeah, song, I especially hated if it too. was like a song I really liked, right? Well, I mentioned some songs I really liked that I was always pissed off especially if the song had a long musical intro djs would just fill that with their garbage you yeah. know FM like too, they, we heard that we heard that summer breeze yeah fm same thing right this is same, these are the same kind of guys yeah. right They're, the the style of the djs are very similar and uh you know that summer breeze thing where it's like he's like you know seals and cross doing it you know like it should be or whatever <laughs> anyway i think it's time for another commercial right yeah here we go we got to take a break. we got to pay the bills here. It's time to let it go. It's the moment to unwind. So just say, bud. And pour the king of beers and settle back. And please yourself. Because when you say, Budweiser, you've said it all. Anheuser Bush, St. Louis. Yeah, you have said it all. Piss is what you say. Kind of, but he makes Budweiser sound good. I yeah. almost want one now after that smooth, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, that smooth advocation from our from our man Lou Rawls there. Yeah. Um, okay, so we're going to get into our evaluation section, which is kind of more of just a exploration slash celebration. But we're what how, how we're going to do it is. We're each going to have five songs that we really think are great from for AM Gold and five songs we are absolutely short on, right? So in a way, we're kind of half a value. We're, we're saying the good and the bad as to whether AM Gold is going to stand the test of time. We can do that with each individual song if, if we want to, but it's a little different than what we would normally do. It's kind of similar to our game show episode that we did, right? Where yeah. we're just kind of exploring these and being a little nostalgic for them. And then we had some ground rules, right? So the first one was we wanted to center on one hit wonders as much as possible. Now there may be my definition of a one hit wonder is it's the person's only top 40 hit. So if they had a number 100 song, it's fine. Or if they had songs, cause I have one artist where they, they became a country band and they were massive. They had other hits on the country charts, but I'm talking about the billboard top 100 top 40, right? So it, because it's difficult to choose all one hit wonders and there might be a few where we don't. And definitely on the short end. So on the long end, I tried really, I think we each tried to really stick to one hit wonders. On the short, we didn't, right? There are a few where they have a lot of hits, but we just hate them so much. 
that it, we had to we had to feature them, right? Yeah, and, and one of mine had sort of they were like maybe two hit wonders, so right one or two hits. We're a little loose with it. Yeah, but give a forgive us, right? We'll get yeah, a, but there's one it. song they're really known for, right? Yeah. So you're choosing kind of the bigger song, right? Yeah, um, and and it's you know like again with the one hit wonder, I break it a little bit. We break it a little bit, but I have additional constraints because. I love this stuff so much that it was hard for me to only choose five songs. Like I just couldn't do it. And it was, I had these playlists on Spotify and I had one called AM gold that had everything I could find. I had one called shitty AM gold that was for all my shorts. (laughs) And then I had AM gold finalists and I kept moving things around because I just couldn't choose. That sounds like, and so I just, I just can't. Yeah, totally. And you'll see my honorable mentions is massive. I'm just going to rip through them because there are so many songs I want to shout out to that I couldn't include because I want to show my love for this, this stuff. I absolutely love this. And this is stuff I listen to all the time. It's not like I just, you know, for the most part, there are some I don't as much as others. But, um, but for me, it also had to be between the years of 77 and 79 because that was when I was really listening to it. And then it can't be an FM song. So, for example, there's a great one-hit wonder that's sort of a two-hit wonder, which is the Edgar Winter Group's uh, incredible instrumental Frankenstein, which I think might be the greatest rock and roll instrumental ever created. That was a number one song, but it's absolutely FM. Yeah, that's a that's a hard rock song. You'll hear it on FM all the time. Or like Man for Man's cover, Man for Man Earth Band's cover of Bruce Springsteen's "Blinded by the Light," which far out out shines the original one of the greatest cover songs of all time and again a number one song so it was played on am radio but it's like an fm classic right because it's hard rock and you know there were hits like foreigner and boston had top 40 hits those are completely in the fm realm so we we shied away from those right so those are the ground rules so do you want to say anything about that before we get into the uh meat of this no let's do it all right jeff Number one. All right. So these are not in any song. Yeah. These aren't in any order, particular order. So it's number one, but it's not like the top ranked. So don't read anything into the order. All right. My my first number one, we already heard a little bit of it in the uh, Time Life clip. It's on the nose, uh, but I have to include it in here. It is. On a Western Bay, and it serves a hundred ships a day. Lonely sailors pass the time away. Talk about their homes And there's a girl In this harbor town And she works Laying whiskey down They say brandy Fetch another round She serves them whiskey and wine The sailors say brandy You're a fine girl All right, so Brandy by Looking Glass. Now, this definitely is a one-hit wonder. Uh, you've never heard anything else from this band. You never will. Uh, they had an album, in several, I think. But this is a song everybody knows. Um, the guy who's singing, the guy who wrote the song, this guy, Elliot Laurie, went on to do like a lot of TV music and you know in the entertainment business, but this is uh, what he was known for. I really like this song. I mean, it got a lot of uh, revival. I guess it was part of Guardians of the Galaxy and that movie and stuff like that. But the 
the thing about it that was always making me laugh were the lyrics um, of, of this song where, you know, this guy uh, and the, the protagonist of the story is telling the, the Brandy, I guess she's the protagonist, but the, 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 uh, the dude in the story is telling her that he can't hang around. He has to ramble as he is calling him. He gives her gifts. You know, she's in love with him, all this kind of stuff. And I just got to imagine, like, I always thought, like, this seems like the same story that he had in a lot of different ports. I bet there were brandies in a lot of different places on this dude's itinerary in the Merchant Marine or whatever uh, he was in where the, the sea was calling him and stuff like that. Seemed like a very likely story, don't you think? Yeah, yeah, it is. Dude, but I just got to say, this is probably the ultimate 70s gold song of all of them. And it is a cl- it's it's beyond one hit wonder, too. It yeah. really qualifies. They never had anything else. And it's talk about a song that people still talk about all the time. You yeah. Know? Um, and, and it's like, I just got to say, the vocal stylings of this song just make me crack up every time. Because he's like, <laughs> Brandy, <"Is> Brandy <laughs> French another round, round, round. <laughs> that kind of weird, smarmy kind of, yeah. I don't know, laid back lounge thing, you know? Yeah. And it's got those great back, backing vocals and the whole lyrics are crazy, right? Yeah. It's this whole story. It is. Yeah. It is this whole, uh, and, and I, every time I listen to it, I've listened to it, probably at least a dozen times over the last yeah. week or so in preparation to this. It just makes me laugh because it's such a bullshit story that he's telling her and she's buying it hook, line and sinker. And, and there you go. But you know, young Brandy's there is in love. I'm sure she hears a lot of stuff from a lot of the sailors who, uh, you know, obviously yeah. Brandy's a fine girl. So I'm sure there's a lot of interest in her uh, uh, attention uh, from many of the sailors passing by, but not everyone bought her a, a golded, not gold, uh, silver braided chain uh, from the north of Spain uh, that uh, had her name on it. So that, you know, you got to hand it to this dude. He, act, you know, went the extra mile uh, to uh, give her personalized gifts, which clearly won Brandy over. So there you go. That's a perfect song to start out with because that's classic AM Gold. Now, mine is weird because well, I have... I, I, just, I, I just want to say one other thing about it. It was released in May of 1972. And it became a number one hit. So this was not an obscure song, obviously, even to this day, it's played a lot. Right, Everyone knows right. It. So to your point, this is a ubiquitous song. Everybody, it's been around forever. It will continue to be around. It will go through periods of revival. New movies will come out featuring, you know, nostalgia trips where this song will be on it and for good reason. And, you know, it's a on the nose choice. Uh, but it's a, you know, a great song is a great song and it's popular for a reason. So there you go. That's my first uh, long song. So uh, over to you. Yeah, I'm definitely long on this too, but I'm probably long on every single song on your list, even the short ones. Actually, no, that's not true. Uh, but <laughs> but like I said, I don't even, I think of all your long ones, I'm long on it. Definitely long on this one because again, this one actually, not only am I long on it because I like it, but because it actually has stood the test of time. It yeah. still is popular now. So, okay, my first one's a weird one. And part of it is because it's 77 to 79, there's got to be some disco on here. Now, that's that's AM Gold for 77 to 79. The Bee Gees are another artist that was just all over AM radio. But they're, again, worthy of their own episode, right? So this one is a total one-hit wonder. This is called I Love the Nightlife, in parentheses, Disco Round. All right. All right, let's listen to some of this. This is by Alicia Bridges. Here we go. Don't talk about 
Okay, dude. So, so yeah, this song, I used to make fun of this as a kid. I used to do a version of this. I used to sing this when it would come on the radio. My mom was listening. So more, more my mom was listening to FM, Kiss FM. Do you remember that with Rick Dees? Yes. Uh, you know, who's famous for doing Disco Ducky. He's also a DJ. So that was more FM, but I heard it on my AM Mighty 692. But I used to, I used to make fun of it. I used to do my own impersonation of this song. I used to, you know, sing, I want some rack show. I want to read it. You know, uh, I like to so you go. <laughs> I like to get some You know, because it's so funny, her her vocal stylings, right? Um, so this song, yeah, just it, it, was, it was hilarious to me. And um, you know, this video that I clipped it from, she's on Music Laden, which is a German show. So this is a worldwide hit, you know, it was number five in the US. But of course, it was number two on what was called the disco action chart. Could almost be named after the song. Uh, later changed to the dance chart. It was disco action because disco was such a phenomenon. And uh, it was a worldwide hit. And there's this clip of her on YouTube. We'll probably link to it in the Instagram later of her on this German show called Music Laden. And she looks very Germanic. I mean, she's got this buzz cut. She kind of reminds me of Pink, the yeah. artist Pink. You know, she's got that short hair. Um, but it was funny because I was watching this with my wife and she said, she looks like a female Rob Halford. <laughs> <laughs> so fun facts about this. Uh, she was, uh, you know, she's from the South, Charlotte, North Carolina. She's gay. She's a lesbian. Uh, she had her own radio show at 10 years old before becoming a singer. Uh, it was originally not supposed to be a disco song. It's supposed to be an R&B song. And it's kind of, she envisioned it as kind of an Al Green style song, which I could totally see Al Green covering this. It's got, I got those some vocal affectations. It's, fe it's featured in the classic vampire comedy uh, starring George Hamilton, Love at First Bite, if yeah. we remember that. Um, and in 1983, there was a woman who went to, gone to this country music festival impersonating Alicia Bridges. <laughs> <laughs> like and she was arrested you know that's, very weird that, that's that someone awesome want to impersonate who, who would want to impersonate her it's like the perfect thing to do because no one would be like well that's not alicia bridges no one knows well of course is. if if you see what she looks like no one looks like her either but it's also who cares this woman had one hit ever yeah so it's very strange okay that's my long number one uh yeah i i love it I still love it. It's amusing. I love the way she says, action. <laughs> makes me laugh every time. Uh, all right. All right. Let's move on to your number two. No, number two. I'm just going to play it. You'll know it. And then we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it here and I'll tell you who it is and a little bit about them. Next Us and Fellas was first single of 1976. Went gold just a few months ago. And even as I stand here running my jaws, their second one is making its way steadily up to the top of the charts. Great way to start a new year for England and and John Ford Coley.
So that was a, a, a live version. Um, we didn't mention this guy, but we have to in AM Gold, right? That was Wolfman Jack, a very famous oh, uh, yeah. you know, DJ uh, of the, I think even 50s and 60s and 70s, you know, people alive back then know who he was. He's um, also got a cameo in uh, American Graffiti as well. American Graffiti, right. So He's like the DJ in that movie. Yep, yep, yep. Very famous DJ with that kind of growly, uh, well, Wolfman, uh, voice as you as you gather so england dan and john quote foley um england dan seals uh dan seals is the brother of uh the other seals what's the other seals name um the, from seals and croft i forget his brother is in seals and croft i forget the brother's name um oh okay yeah i don't know so so dan and whoever seals of seals and croft this is the, um england dan yeah i don't know seals and croft's first names yeah sorry yeah, <laughs> yeah sorry seals, seals and, croft. and croft that's interesting that he's his brother I didn't yeah know that. Cool. his brother his younger brother i think and england dan came from the fact that he when he saw the beatles on uh, ed sullivan he was immediately infatuated and became uh, an anglophile and obsessed with the beatles and even for a while as a kid started to affect uh, an English uh, British accent, uh, which amused everybody for a little kid. And that's where he got the nickname England Dan. Um, so I thought that was kind of cool that he uh, kept it. This is a song that they did not write. They did not write their other hit about nights of, uh, that he, Wolfman Jack was alluding to. So this is a two hit wonder band, I guess, um, called Nights Are Forever. They were, Nights Are Forever and this song were both written by a guy named Parker McGee. Uh, who you've never heard of and neither had we. But right. this, this song is has a lot of different meanings uh, for me. Well, one, it's a good song and I like it for sure. But it's a song that my wife and I both really liked when we first met and would talk about it because it was really, we were amused by it because it was like the classic 70s style booty call, you know, where, uh, you know, the guy is calling up and he's calling up some old flame and saying, hey, you know, not a lot going on. How are you doing? Maybe we could just get together and, and hang around or, you know, he says, uh, you know, uh, go for a walk or watch TV. But he's really talking about getting down, going downtown and all that kind of stuff in a very casual sort of 70s way. But the, the funniest thing to us was the lyrics, because we would argue about the lyrics a lot, um, not argue, but discuss and kind of make fun of the lyrics. And it's some of the most misheard lyrics um, in history. Uh, there's a lot of songs that would compete for that, but a lot of people think where he, the line where he says, I'm not talking about moving in and I don't want to change your life. He's like, look, this isn't going to be serious. We're just going to get together and bang for a while. And then, you know, we're going to, I'm going to keep rambling on like uh, maybe Brandy Sailor in that, the, in the other song. But a lot of people thought that he was saying, I'm not talking about my linens, including my wife who thought that that was the line and a more clever line is like, I'm not talking about, you know, like being serious and moving my bedding and all that. <laughs> I always thought it was, I'm not talking about the living, which I don't know what that would mean, but that's yeah. always the way I heard it. Cause it's like, when he says moving in, it's the accent is all wrong. So he's, yeah. I'm not talking about moving in. Right. So it doesn't make sense. Yeah. My linens 
doesn't make sense either. <laughs> well, but it's like my it's wife like would argue that could it understand does. what those words were. Yes. Like I never could understand that until I until you know recently when I actually said, What what the hell is he saying? You yeah. Know? Yeah. Well, a lot of people actually agree with my wife if you look through the internets and they say, Hey, it sounds like he's saying I'm not talking about my linens. And you can come up with a theory about why he would say that. I, you know, for reasons I can't explain, I always thought he was saying, I'm not talking about Meridian. And I don't uh-huh. understand why that makes even no sense. But I always thought that that was the lyric for for whatever reason. Yeah. The, the other uh, misheard lyric of this song, which I think was a joke, but I thought was funny that I would include is, instead of, I don't want to change your life, somebody thought it was, I don't want to shave your wife. Which... <laughs> <laughs> being yeah. the 70s might be uh you know interesting there so this uh came out in may of 76 it was number one on the easy listening charts um and there you go i i still like the song i still listen to it um it's actually the ringtone for when my wife calls uh my, oh, wow. my phone yeah so that's how much it is a central part of our life and we we talk about the, the this song and i i still like it uh to this day one thing I did want to say, though, is that um, England Dan uh, Seals passed away some years ago um, from, I, I think, uh, um, from cancer or something related. And John, Cor- uh, John Ford Coley still is with us. Um, and you can find him uh, singing, you know, he tours around and I guess just sings this song repeatedly. Maybe Nights Are Forever just on a, on a repeat uh, song list. He didn't actually sing either song. He was just doing background. So I guess he's out trying to make a living. And I saw a couple of interviews with him, and apparently he is a, an anti-vax idiot, um, talking about how you know the inconvenience of COVID stopped him from you know playing at uh, uh, casinos in uh, Tupelo, Mississippi, and places like that, uh, making money. And he was very uh, outspoken about that. So. I thought uh, to help him out, we might want to uh, change some of the lyrics to this song for him, uh, you know, to make it kind of more updated uh, and modern with, with the times. What, what, do you, what do you say, Slep? Does that sound reasonable, something we would do? Yeah, yeah, we could do it. All right. Here's what I was thinking is, instead of uh, I'm not talking about my linens or I'm not talking about moving in, we could have it be, I'm not talking about herd immunity. Or how about, I'm not talking about hydroxychloroquine. And- <laughs> or, or ivermectin. Yeah. Uh, I'm not, oh, ivermectin. I'm not talking about ivermectin. That kind of, yeah. Um, I, actually, isn't that what he, I thought yeah. that's another one. You could, you actually probably said that. It is. Exactly it's a heartworm medicine yeah, that yeah. dogs take. Um, how, okay. So I'm not talking, I like it. I'm not talking about ivermectin or hurt. Uh, that's good. And I don't want to wear a mask. Instead of right, uh, okay, I think that works, right? How about I? How about I? And I don't want to save your life. And I don't want to save your life, (laughs) right? I like that. That works. I don't want to save your life. Good, good. How about uh, the next one? Is I drink bleach with a UV bulb in my ass. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, the final one, and I'd really love to give you COVID tonight. Awesome. Awesome. There well, that's go. too bad that he's a douchebag. Yeah. Like that. But anyway, sorry to get political, but we, you know, when it comes to England, Dan and John Fort Coley, yeah. and Cole, how can you help but get political? Yeah. Well, you know, I should also mention that one other thing that's non-political is I've always been obsessed with the show. I never watched as a kid and I always wondered about it. 
called James at 15. Yeah. Uh, and they guest star on one episode where James and it goes out with this girl to this uh, restaurant where they're playing live uh, and they play this song on the, on the show. Of course they lip sync, you know, Yeah. Um, but they, that was a guest appearance. Um, you know, who else made a guest appearance on that? Do you recall? We talked about her. No. Terry Nunn. Uh, oh, that's Berlin. right. Terry Nunn was on James and 15. Yeah. You know, that's right. Yeah. Her early career, her early career uh, before uh, she was in a uh, penthouse. So there you go. All right. So I think it's time for a commercial break. Yeah. I think we need to pay the bills here. So, guys, so here we go. Brought to you by. Here's England, Dan, and John Ford Coley. I drink Dr. Pepper and I'm proud. I used to be alone in a crowd. But now you look around these days. There seems to be a Dr. Pepper craze. Yeah, there you go. There you go, John Ford Coley. I wonder if he plays that song live now. Yeah, you know, that would be, that'd be great. That'd be great. Peppers are, are a discerning breed. I mean, I can't said. imagine, like, yeah. did, did, really, yeah. does he? It's, it's like you were talking about a Greg Kiln band, you know, him playing, like, you know, an hour of crap no one wants to hear, and then, like, 40 minutes of Jeopardy. Right, uh, 40 or, minutes of crowd participation, Jeopardy with long, sing-along yeah, part. Yeah, yeah, that must be the same thing with this. Yeah, he just plays Nights Are Forever and this. And again, the weird thing is, the dude didn't sing these songs. Dan Seals is, by the way, Jim Seals is his brother from Seals and Crumb. Oh, uh, okay. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's just weird. And then, I don't know, I, I watched just in horror as he was spouting a bunch of garbage about, um, anyway... Uh, you get the idea. So I'll turn it over to you for your uh, long number two song. Long number two. Okay, again, we're in disco land here. This is my last uh, fully disco song. The other ones kind of have some disco influence, let's say, but not really. They're much more straightforward, what I would call AM kind of top 40 hits. But this is uh, Got to Be Real by Cheryl Lynn. Let's listen to it. That's what I call a banger. Yeah. Uh, at any rate, I always love this song. I still listen to it now. I have workout mixes of this kind of shit, and that's right on there. It's a great uh, song. I like it, too. It's a great song. Yeah. And she's got a serious pipes. I'm, you know, this is her only hit, though. Uh, she, uh, you know, it was hardest, only charted at number 12. I, I thought this would have been certainly been a number one hit, but it was only number one R&B. Um, and, uh, 
you know, again, uh, it's more disco, but I listen to it all the time. I love it. So I had to include it. Uh, fun facts about Cheryl Lynn. You know, she originally appeared on the gong show uh, as a, as a contestant. Uh, she was also a backup singer uh, on the whiz. And even during one of the show's runs played Eveline, who of course was also played by who Mabel King, who we talked about in our uh, what's happening episode. Uh, the song is co-written by David Page of Toto and David Foster. And of mm. course we mentioned David Foster on our earth, wind and fire episode. And um yeah, you, you say it it mimics all supply of the love. What part is that? There, there's a place, it wasn't in the clip, but there's a place where the kind of the uh, bass is in, inverted a little bit. And it's almost, I, I mean, I could have pulled the clip. It, it's kind of a, you know, off the beaten path here, but there's a, a place where there's a similar bass line and change breakdown in the song um, from that sounds exactly the same as all supply of the love, which is a, a Toto song, which David Page also wrote. And David Page wrote pretty much all the Toto hits that you care about. Africa uh, is a big yeah, one. Yeah, right? he wrote Africa. The biggest hit they he, ever he wrote had. Rosanna too. Most like, enduring, right? Yeah, yeah. So um, he's like there. I mean, other people in the band wrote songs, but he's the one who wrote the biggest hits by far um, in, in that band. So anyway, maybe I don't. He probably co-wrote this uh, with with Foster, but there's definitely a part if you go listen to All Supply of the Love. Um, you know, for the nerds among us who. Love Toto like we do and 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 love this song. You might Yeah, Toto is definitely gonna be an episode yeah. at some point. But um as far as uh the other relationship with Toto is that Lynn was the female singer on Georgie Porgy yeah. from the first album, right? Yeah. Uh so there you he go. wrote that too. Um, Paige wrote that too. So yeah. yeah. So that's that's a that's my second long one. So yeah. let's move on to your third long one. All right, third long one. Okay, are you ready for this? This is a good yeah, one. Let's do it. Let's do it. He's been gnawing everything in the cab of this truck, barking and screaming. I think he's turned into a stalk of bananas. Come back. What's your 20? About 16 miles this side of Mississippi. Whoa, hold it. I just passed another Kojak with a Kodak. This place crawling with bass. Where the hell are you? Come back. I'm still trying to get rid of that Texas County Mountie. I don't know what the hell he wants. You know what he wants. I mean, how would you like to be the dude that handcuffs a legend? Listen, give me five minutes. We're going to put some moves on that mother. I'll meet you at Old Miss. Well, you better hurry or we can just kiss that money goodbye. You understand that? I'll read you loud and clear. Ten four. You got the one snowman. I'm eastbound and down. Eastbound and down. Loaded up and trucking. Are we going to do what they say can't be done? We've got a long way to go and a short time to get there. I'm eastbound to watch old bandit run. Keep your foot on the pedal, son, never mind them brakes. Let it all hang out, cause we gotta run to make. The boys are thirsty in Atlanta, and there's beer in Texarkana. And we'll bring it back no matter what it takes. All right, so everybody who is alive back then knows that that's from Smokey and the Bandit. That's a great choice. Great choice. I love that song. <laughs> it's a it's a Such great nostalgia for that. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. If it, I mean, it's probably played on AM radio. It was definitely played on country stuff. I had to put it on this list because at this time, during this time, I was completely obsessed by the movie Smokey and the Bandit as a kid. 
And it was one of the, I think it was the first thing that I ever got. We got we, early on, we got a Betamax machine and I oh, had yeah. a tape of this movie somehow recorded. Maybe it was off of TV or something, or I don't know. I used to watch it every fucking day, like, like a mental patient. I, I love this movie. Um, it's a classic movie. I'm not going to get too much into it because we're definitely going to do this, the movie on this show. Oh, yeah, point. we got to do the movie. I yeah. saw the movie. I believe I saw it in the drive-in. Yeah. The we're, yeah. We're, yeah. You know, hopefully you were, you know, doing the sign, pulling down like the horn oh, for yeah. the trucks that. The, CB culture was a thing. It was. For sure. It was huge yeah. at this time. So anyway, for those of you who aren't aware of the movie, it starred uh, Sally Field and Turt Ferguson. And um, Jackie Gleason <laughs> was in it um, as well. Uh, Turd Ferguson, also known as uh, Burt Reynolds, but I'm going to refer to him as Turd Ferguson in honor of the, <laughs> of the great Norm Macdonald. You know, just impression of Burt Reynolds was like the greatest thing ever. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, I I love this movie, and as you were talking about, like there's a 70s uh, in the 70s is a trucker culture was omnipresent and you had these TV shows like BJ and the bear. You had, you know, movies like convoy that first, um, was the first Steven and the Spielberg song convoy movie. we should mention by CW McCall was a number one song. This is another AM gold song that neither of us picked, but yeah. it could have been picked. Like been convoy, picked. The song yeah. was huge. Duel was the first Steven Spielberg movie. I think was about trucking, tr- you know, a horror movie. Well, it's, it's not about, it's, it's more about a truck chasing a guy. It, yeah. That's a great movie. Yeah. That's amazing. We, I just saw that again recently. Yeah. Totally holds up. Yeah. Um, anyway. Anyway, so the B side of this is, by the way, I'm just a redneck in a rock and roll bar just for the. the oh, wow. Movie. Yeah. So we'll talk about smoking the band at some other time, but I had to pull this on there. To, you put this on this list here. Obviously, this has been referred to in culture all over the place. They made jokes about this song. I'm like that 70s show, of course, apropos. Um, there's a HBO show, with Danny McBride called Eastbound and Down. Not a good show. I don't recommend it, but obviously referring to this. Uh, a song and it was number two on the country charts and came out in August of 77 when uh, the movie Smokey and the Bandit did. So there you go. Good buddy. Uh, what's your 10 for right. call back? What's, what do you got next year? Okay. Next up, this is pure late seventies AM gold. There is nothing else you can say about this song. This is absolutely perfect. This is a song I, I'm amused by now, but as a kid, I was obsessed with this song. It was like my favorite song for like a year. Don't ask me why, because you're going to listen to it. And I don't know. I think it's absolutely catchy and everything, but it's kind of a weird song for a kid. You yeah. know, and there's a couple of these because it is the 70s. Remember, we talked about Three's Company. We talked about sexy game shows. This is a sexy time. So this is a sexy song. Let's play it. Kiss You All Over by Exile. Let's play the clip. Let's go. You do. You can see it in my eyes. 
All right, so there you go. That's the sample from Kiss You All Over by Exile. Uh, I, yeah, as a kid, I just love this song, even though it's kind of gross. Yeah, kind of. I mean, and if you see the, there's a Midnight Special clip you can see on YouTube, maybe we'll link to it, uh, where you can see the lead singer, Jimmy Stokely. I mean, he's like trying to be all super sexy and it's really, really gross. He's just <laughs> very gross. I mean, that whole, that whole line where he's like, oh, babe, I want to taste your lips. Yeah. Ew. Ah, want to take a shower. It's more like it. Yeah. Uh, but I love that. Want to fill your fantasy? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. Yeah, I remember yeah, hearing I, this I totally, song for sure. Yeah. yeah, totally. This is a massive hit. You know, it was a number one song. It's their only top 40 pop hit. Um, but later, you know, just the band, it's interesting. They were around forever. They're originally called the exiles and they were like, uh, formed in 1963, you know, even pre Beatles. So they were around for years before they, they had a hit. This song was of course, co-written by a guy who wrote many hits, Mike Chapman. We talked about him quite a bit in our Pat Benatar mm, episode, yeah. right? Yep. And of course, unfortunately, right after this, you know, the, the lead singer, Jimmy Stokely, he, he was a, a heavy drug user. And if you look at him, he kind of looks at like a, a little bit of a smacky kind of guy. Uh, and he uh, was kicked out of the band a year, year after this. And he would die in 1985 at just only the age of 41. From cooties? Really <laughs> from, from, from hepatitis. Oh, yeah. Yeah. From, from needles probably. And, yeah. and so, you know, they, the band switched to country in the early eighties um, and, uh, you know, they, they have a bunch of country and Western hits, but you know, this is their only pop hit, but they should have had another big hit because while I was researching this, I discovered something fucking amazing that I did not know. So there's this song by Huey Lewis. You may have heard it called heart and soul. It's a cover and it's originally by exile. And I have to play some of this for you because the, Huey Lewis completely stole the whole arrangement of this song. I mean, it's so similar, except the chorus is a little different. And it's 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 like we got to play a little clip of this. This is Exile doing the original version of Heart and Soul, also written, co-written by Mike Chapman, by the way. Here you go. Uh, so let's play a little bit of this. Yeah. yeah, I just had a book that chorus is so funny. They turn it into like metal. Yeah. Oh, it's, old. Yeah. it's like cowbell. Boom, boom, boom. Maybe it, it was a precursor to uh, the great mashup by Bill McClintock of Huey Lewis and Metallica. Yeah, uh, that's true. And it, it kind of they kind of did it, it, it back then. And it's like the thing about that version of the song is it's actually I like it kind of better. It's got this weird jam in the middle. I will totally link to that in the Instagram so you can check that out on YouTube because I did not know that they did the song and this was not a hit for them. This was like I think it was like number 103 on the chart. So I wouldn't count it as a hit. But anyway, this is really creepy Southern, almost yacht rock disco. Uh, you know, and I, I still like this song, but I really liked it as a kid. And it's weird to me that I did. I don't know what I, I guess it was just catchy to me. Maybe it was a David um, Lee Roth poster that got you all worked up again. Yeah. Maybe it was the same. Maybe Jimmy, I needed the Jimmy, uh, Stokely, uh, heroin, uh, you know, a pop pinup poster. I don't know. Anyway, that's, so that's my number three. All right. 
So uh, my number four long song here, I'm just going to play it and then I'll talk about it because it has an incredible story behind it. Everybody here is out of sight, but they don't bark and they don't bite. They keep things loose, they keep things alive. Every border was dancing in the Okay, so that is a song uh, called Dancing in the Moonlight by a band you've never uh, heard of, probably called King Harvest. Um, And here is an incredible story about this song. So it was written by a guy named Sherman Kelly. And I'm just going to read you what um, he says about him writing of this song. He was on a trip uh, to St. Croix uh, in 1969, and he was the first victim of a vicious gang there who wound up eventually murdering um, eight American tourists. But he was not murdered, obviously, because he wrote this song, but he was beaten up by that gang. And he had uh, multiple facial fractures and wounds and was left for dead, basically. Um, While he's recovering, he wrote this song, Dancing in the Moonlight, which he uh, envisioned as an alternate reality, uh, the dream of a peaceful and joyful celebration of life. After, you know, almost dying after getting beaten up by this uh, St. Croix uh, gang. So um, he took this song that he wrote um, to his brother, uh, Wells, who was in a band called King Harvest. And they were based in Paris and they liked the uh, they liked the uh, song. And he's a drummer. uh, Wells is a drummer in that band. And they recorded the song and it became their only hit. Um, You've never heard of this band or other than this song. And it was a it was a pretty big hit, number thirteen on the Billboard uh, Top 100. I've always loved this song. It's definitely AM Gold of this time. Although yeah. this, um, this it, is as much as Brandy AM Gold. Yeah. This is a classic. When they think when people think of AM Gold, this is one of the things that pops into their head for sure. Absolutely. And one for me, I love the song. I think it's a great song. Um, it still holds up, and so totally 100 percent long on the song. But I remember hearing this as a kid on the radio, probably 93 KHJ. And one of my friend's older sisters, who was probably like, you know, 13 or 14 at the time, but when you're seven or eight, you know, seemed like an adult, you know, uh, to me, loving this song. I remember she had this beautiful long blonde hair and she was mouthing the words to it and dancing around. And I was very entranced by this, um, even as a, as a kid. And I just always remember when I hear this song, think of her kind of dancing around, singing this song. And it's a, it's a it's a pleasant memory. So there you go. Uh, Dancing in the Moonlight, uh, King Harvest is my number four. One more thing about that is, uh, you know, one of my favorite one of I think both of our favorite bands, Thin Lizzy, who will address in the future, have a song called Dancing in the Moonlight, too. But I can never remember how it goes, because whenever I try to think of it, this song pops into yeah, my head. This is a better it's song. Like, than that one. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, it's, it's certainly catchier. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's much more memorable. I mean, I think, uh, yeah. It's a, it's a song. I like the Thin Lizzy song, but I, I, I agree. This is probably one that you just can't. It's like one of these songs that just pops into your head. Yeah. You, you can't uh, get it out. Yep. Uh, all right. Number four. Okay. Let's let uh, Casey Kasem, uh, the great Casey Kasem, who's kind of an overlap with uh, all of this AM Gold stuff on being the top 40, introduce this one for us, and then we'll play the clip. Yes. Let's do that. The second biggest hit in the USA this week has been in the top 10 for four weeks. It's moved from number nine to number seven to number three last week. And this week, 
right behind the number one song at number two. Hot Child in the City by Nick Gilder. child in the city by nick gilder nice so uh this song again i loved as a kid and i still love it one of my favorite songs ever and i'm actually a huge fan of this guy i actually have like four of his albums uh because he's one of those things you find at goodwill you know it's like this this album city nights i bought this and I saw Hot Child in the City on it. I was like, oh, cool. You know, I like that song. I'll just buy it for a dollar. And it turns out the whole album is great. It's like kind of a power pop glam rock thing. And so when I heard how much I liked the record, I just looked for his other records and I found them. You know, his early, he had an earlier record called You Know Who You Are that's really glam rock. Um, you know, much more like kind of Bowie-esque and stuff. And he's got this weird girly voice. He's like one of these singers that sounds like a woman. Yeah. Right. And there's, there are other ones. Like I also love a song that I didn't include that barely missed the cut. And the reason it missed the cut was because I, it's not a 77 to 79, which is a song called Jackie blue by the uh, Ozark mountain daredevils, which is a song that really sounds like a female singer, but it's a guy. Uh, So I really, uh, I don't know. I really like that kind of, I mean, that's kind of the ultimate glam thing is to, is to be a guy who not only looks like a girl, but sounds like one. So I've just always really been a huge fan of Nick Gilders. And it's funny because, you know, I used to be on social media and be on Facebook. And when I first joined Facebook, I saw Nick Gilder and I became his friend. So normally on Facebook, when there's someone famous, you can follow them, but you can't be friends with them. But Nick's like, you know, he's not, that, you know, in Canada, he's more known, but in the U.S., he only had this one hit. Now, it was a huge hit. It was number one, even though Casey Kasem, it was at number two at the time. It eventually would go to number one. But he never had another top 40 hit in the U.S. Um, and uh, so he he would just be friends with people. And I remember one year, you know, because you put your birthday on Facebook and people say happy birthday. And I got this happy birthday, this personal message from Nick Gilder. Awesome. I almost wish I would have framed it. It was so awesome. Um, at any rate. So, yeah, like I said, I'm a huge fan. Now, some fun facts about uh, Nick Gilder. Uh, First of all, he's Canadian. This is the first Canadian artist I think we're talking about, or at least I'm talking about. I've got a few on my list. Uh, He started out in a band called Sweeney Todd, named after, uh, you know, this is before Sweeney Todd the musical actually existed, but it was Sweeney Todd was based on these old comics in the 1900s. And and um, so he w- it was called Sweeney Todd after that. And it was uh, featured another guy you may have heard of named Brian Adams. Ah. 
Um, and they had a song called Roxy Roller, which is also covered by Nick Gilder. And it's featured in the film, the dramatic film they made in what, 2010 about the runaways. So they featured it's featured there. He also wrote a song called Rated X that was covered by Pat Benatar, which we kind of mentioned in our episode on her. Uh, and most famously, probably other than Hot Child in the City, he wrote a song called The Warrior, uh, which was Smythe. made famous by Patti Smythe and Scandal. Yeah. Uh, I remember. I a love few that years song, back, by the way. Yeah, there you go. So that's Nick Gilder. Yeah. So you might you might check out his uh, stuff on Spotify. It's actually really good. It's like kind of power. It's kind of a cross beat, like City Nights, the album, Hot, the Hot Child in the City. On. It's got some kind of a little bit of cars in there, a little bit of glam rock, but the songs are all really good. He's, he's a really good songwriter. Um, so at any rate, uh, I remember maybe 15 years ago, we, when video stores were still around, we rented this uh, uh, midnight special video of all the midnight specials, which was a show in the seventies where artists would come and lip sync or perform their songs. And there's one with Nick Gilder and my wife's cousin was like, Oh, I love his girly voice. Cause she always thought he was a girl. Yeah. You know, that was a female singer. So that was kind of fun, but I, I still love this song and I listen to it all the time. So uh, it's a, it's a, it's a great one. And that is in, in my mind of the late seventies, this and exile really capture that AM gold to me. They're, they're kind of perfect for that. Um, so that is my number four. All right. Here's my number five. Um, I will let uh, this radio announcer introduce it and I'll talk about it. Oh, hang on. Oh, hey, I like that. Maybe the song is gold. The guy's name is John Stewart. You're probably saying to yourself, John Stewart, well, where have I heard that name before? He used to sing with the Kingston Trio. Yeah, now you remember John Stewart and gold with Bob Anthony for Big Tom Parker at 919. <laughs> So that is Gold by John Stewart. And if you needed to be told, I'm sure you don't. The singer also singing with him background is Stevie Nicks, um, which is a very interesting story about how uh, she uh, got to uh, sing on this uh, particular track. The guitar player, you may think, well, that sounds exactly like Lindsey Buckingham. And uh, it's just, you know, exactly sounds like a Fleetwood Mac guitar playing of that time of the rumors era of the early, uh, you know, maybe Tusk era. You know, 
why is Lindsey Buckingham and why are Stevie Nicks singing on this song? Well, Lindsey Buckingham produced this, but that's not actually him playing. It's actually John Stewart playing, which was bizarre to me because it sounds exactly like Lindsey Buckingham. And I was confused by this. Well, let's talk about John Stewart a little bit, and I'll tell you a little bit about this. So he, as was mentioned in the radio clip, was in the Kingston Trio in the in the later 60s. Um, he, he replaced the guy who left. I'm not going to give you Kingston Trio history. No one cares. Uh, I certainly don't. But he was in there for like six or seven years. He left. He um, wrote a song you may have heard of called Daydream Believer uh, by the Monkees, uh, made famous. You know, there he wrote that song. And probably lived off the royalties of that for a long time. Lindsey Buckingham, growing up, was a huge fan of the Kingston Trio and actually learned to play guitar by transcribing Kingston Trio songs. So his finger-picking style, his approach, is very Kingston uh, Trio-influenced. And so much so that when John Stewart plays electric guitar, he sounds like Lindsey Buckingham. I don't think it was, I mean, that was just a bizarre thing to me. Like, I kept looking at this, like, there's no way that's not Lindsey Buckingham playing. And I found several places that said, Lindsey did not play on it. He produced it. Um, but certainly that is Stevie Nicks uh, singing uh, back around vocals there. So if a couple of things about this song. So number one, if you wanted to know what your angry grandpa would sound like if he recorded a pop song, this would be it. That it's like the weirdest pop song ever. He sounds annoyed throughout the whole song. It sounds like, again, someone's angry grandpa complaining about popular music or whatever it is and, and recorded this song. Um, Stewart wrote the song under sort of pressure from the record company to come up with a hit. He hated the song in later years, would not perform it. He called it, you know, a bunch of, you know, vapid and empty, meaning nothing to him. He just did it to, for money and da 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 da. But, um, Stevie Nicks at that time, I was, you know, obviously I think was still with Lindsey Buckingham or maybe they had just broken up. Um, but Lindsey Buckingham wanted to meet John Stewart. John Stewart was a fan of uh, the fact that Lindsey Buckingham and Stevie Nicks were like the biggest rock stars in the world, probably. And was like, yeah, you can work with me. And that is how they got to uh, be on this song uh, and play, or at least uh, Stevie Nicks was playing on it. Uh, so anyway, a couple other weird facts about this. Number one, John Stewart became the official musician of the Democratic Party in 1968 and was involved in traveling around with Robert Kennedy during his campaign. Wow. Yeah, I'm not sure if he was there when Kennedy was assassinated, but uh, I thought that was weird. Um, the other thing is that he, John Stewart, recorded with another famous singer besides Stevie Nicks. Um, Linda Ronstadt, who did background singing on a song called Queen of Hollywood High that Lindsey Buckingham also uh, produced. Um, and John Stewart had a song that um, was written about our own slip uh, <laughs> called Midnight Wind. So <laughs> <laughs> you might want to uh, <laughs> check that out. Was that written by your wife or no? Oh no. uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a it's a it's a song of her terrors at night. Yeah. So there you go. Um, yeah. That's the story of gold, which is absolutely you know AM uh, radio. Uh, AM gold, perfect, yeah. perfect one to finish off with in your long category. I should also mention that there are a couple of other one-hit wonders that I considered. Uh, one one is not a one-hit wonder at all, and one is. 
but they also had to do with Fleetwood Mac. So one of them is a one-hit wonder. It's called Magnet and Steel by Walter Egan. And you can definitely hear Stevie Nicks and Lindsey Buckingham singing backup. And you could even tell that Lindsey is behind the boards on that one. You know, it's definitely got a Fleetwood Mac feel. And the other one is by an artist I absolutely love named Bob Welch who played with Fleetwood Mac for many years. And I love that era of Fleetwood Mac, not as much as I like the Lindsay era, but I do like those albums quite a bit. And he, a song he originally wrote for Fleetwood Mac that appears on their Bear, Bear Trees album called Sentimental Lady, he re-recorded for his album French Kiss. And that, uh, that is produced by Lindsay Buckingham and Lindsay, Stevie Nicks, and most prominently Christine McVie sing on that song. And that's a great song, but technically it's not a one hit wonder because he had three or four other top 40 hits, but that album French Kiss is one of my, uh, it's a really weird album. It's almost like rock disco. Uh, it's got weird, like kind of orchestrations and stuff, but I've come to really love that record a lot. So I'm a huge Bob Welch fan. So that was a kind of honorable mention for me. Yep. Okay, my last one is not my favorite of the bunch. I would probably put Nick Gilder as my favorite of these five songs that I chose. But the reason I chose it is because it's a really, it's complete AM gold. It's completely a one-hit wonder. And it's even a little bit Euro AM gold. But it's one of these, it's really a song that kind of is a signpost for the end of the 70s and the beginning of the 80s. In fact, it sounds like a kind of three or four years ahead of its time. And the song I'm talking about is, of course, this one. So let's play a clip from it. There you go. Pop music by M. Yeah. So this this was a number one song in 1979, but it sounds like it could have come from 1982. Yeah. I mean, it's it's so 80s sounding and it really kind of heralds the end of the 70s AM goal. And so I thought it was a perfect one to end with. Uh, You know, as a kid, did I love it? I kind of liked it, but more I've found it more funny than anything else. Um, You know, it's like a real curio. Um, A few fun facts. M is actually this musician named Robin Scott. You know, he would record a few other albums, but they didn't really do much. Uh, most interestingly, the, all the other backup musicians are all guys who would be in this band that was big in the 80s and especially in the UK called Level 42. Right. They had yep. a few hits. Um, really good musicians. Like they're kind of like the Toto of the UK, really. Um, and the the album actually is titled New York, London, Paris, Munich. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, so we get the crossover between Euro and AM because this was a worldwide smash it was interestingly enough it was only number two in the uk but it was number one in almost every country in europe and it was number one in the united states as well so i thought that was a good way to end my list um and again it's you can't get much more one hit wonder than this so jeff do you have any honorable mentions yes for your longs 
I, I mean, I could have, we, you and I took different paths here. You have a list of songs you're just going to call out. I'm just going to list one that um, is definitely AM Gold. It's a great song. I could have included it. It's just an honorable mention. It's a song called At 17 by uh, Janice Ian. It's a great, you know, it's a um, great song, amazing lyrics, but they really want to make me slip my wrist. It's a really depressing song. Um, I, I'm not even going to play it here. I have a clip, but I'll skip that. Most people have heard it. I could have included it. And uh, she had another song, not technically a one-hit wonder, but she had another song, Society's Child, um, that was somewhat popular too. But I, it's a good enough song at 17 that I thought I'd just mention it. So why don't you go into your list of honorable mentions that uh, you couldn't choose among hardly? Yeah, and some of these are honorable mentions for both of us, I yeah. think, and you can shout out when, you, when you agree. I think uh, at 17 is also KNXFM. Yeah. To me, that's where I heard that is the mellow rock that I heard. And I love that song, too, so much so that I think when we were, uh, you know, when we first moved to San Francisco. Jeff lives in, you know, somewhere else now. But, uh, you know, we we lived together and we were like uh, we'd go to the thrift shops and buy records. I remember finding a copy of Between the Lines, which is the album yeah. that 17 comes from. But I just wanted to hear that. The rest of the album was kind of boring. Yeah. But I love I always loved at 17 as a kid. And I think it's a great choice. Uh, a quick honorable mention. I just want to mention some of the other stuff that I was listening to at this time that doesn't qualify given the constraints, right? So first of all, it's a Little River band. They had a lot of a lot of hits. They had Lady, yep. which I love. Reminiscing is is a is the jam. Dun, it's great. Dun, dun, uh, dun, 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 my favorite song of the seventies of all of this kind of music is more of a KNX FM jam, but it was also on AM radio, and it's a song by Ten CC called "I'm Not in Love." So this is my, yeah. I, I want to say, if you listen to that song, the beginning of it is exactly the same as the Hollowed Out song, She's Gone. Oh, wow. It's the exact, I wonder, I don't know I, which, I wonder who it serves, because this was like, what, 75? I think Hollow Notes might have been first. So they listen, listen first. to the two songs, the opening chords, um, key, I think even perhaps is exactly the same. So anyway, it's a great song. I so, agree. So, yeah, I love it. I love it because it's proggy and I love the uh, the road Fender Rhodes piano and the whole atmospherics and stuff. It's almost like a Pink Floyd pop song or something to me. Yeah. Um, uh, one second. Let me just uh, I'm just going to quickly name off a few and then we can move on to the short section. Um, just give me a second here. OK, so Cliff Richard, we don't talk anymore. Great song. Not a one hit wonder. So didn't qualify. Seals and Crofts love them. Diamond Girl was my favorite. Yeah. Not a number one. I mean, not a one-hit wonder. Obviously, ELO, Fleetwood Mac, the Eagles, all were on these stations. All, the Bee Gees, uh, again, couldn't include them. Gilbert O'Sullivan, Alone Again. I love this fake Paul McCartney song that was in the early 70s, really early 70s, so I couldn't include it. Uh, the Knack, My Sharona, again, yeah. AM Gold at this time, but I also considered this to be an FM rock song, yeah, so I didn't FM include it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, uh, same goes for Ram Jam, Black Betty. Awesome song. Right? Awesome song, FM. Spiral Staircase, I Love You More Today Than Yesterday. Much more early 70s. Great one hit wonder. Again, I mentioned the spinners. Um, among the songs, Games People Play, I'll Be There, Could It Be on Falling in Love. Yeah. I also loved Roberta Flack, right? Yeah. Um, Killing Me Softly, uh, Feel Like Making Love, Where Is the Love? Uh, I mentioned the Ozark Mountain Daredevils. I loved Gary Wright, Dreamweaver. Yeah, right. One, yeah. Again, another proggy, uh, another proggy and another KNX FM classic. I also love his other follow-up hit, Love is Alive. Uh, one that I really was on my list 
uh, that qualifies in every way. It's a one hit wonder. It's between 77 and 79 that just missed the cut was Chucky's in love by Ricky Lee Jones. Great song. Um, but the thing is, I love Ricky Lee Jones so much. I actually think her first album is a masterpiece. And so I could do a whole show on her. Uh, she has uh, her first two albums I have, and I love them both. They're, they're, if anybody's interested in her or you like that song, definitely check out the record. It's an amazing album. I think Walter um, Becker produced one of her later records, too. Um, it kind of makes sense. She's kind of in that Steely Dan wheelhouse. She's kind of a cross between like something like Tom Waits, Steely Dan, Joni Mitchell. And like, she's got a lot of kind of studio musicians who are on those records. Uh, Starbuck, Moonlight Feels Right. Missed the cut because it was 76. That's another sleazy Southern rock song, kind of like uh, the Exile song. Uh, I mentioned Edgar Winter, Frankenstein, great song. Uh, Man for Man, Blinded by the Light. Bill Withers had many hits, but I love Lovely Day the best. Yeah. Uh, and Jefferson Starship Miracles. Oh, yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. Um, they had a few top 40 hits, but this was their number one yeah. uh, smash. Uh, Ace How Long. Again, kind of a yeah. proto-yacht rock, soft rock hit. Paul uh, Al, yeah. I love Al Stewart, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, Al Stewart, Year of the Cat, which, again, is too early, and he had more than one hit. Yeah. I I mean, somebody else who had more hits, but Carly Simon, You're So Vain, this was on. Around, That's a great song, Yeah. yeah. Uh, with with a, a guest appearance by none other than Mick Jagger, obviously on that. And then you mentioned 10 CC with, um, you know, you're not in love, but Dreadlock Holiday is another song I love uh, from them around this time. I think it's their, their, the album after. So, um, and, and they also had the things we do for love, yeah. right? That was another massive hit by them. So they're not a one hit wonder. No, at all. not at all. But um, songs that were around then. So, all right. We've talked about the good. Now we have to talk about the not so good. So get your vomit buckets uh, together and get used to, you know, you're going to hear this a lot. Horrible. Yes. Thank you, Paul. Um, let's talk about our short songs. And so why don't you go first and talk about your first uh, short song? Okay. So mine, again, are not one hit wonders here, but they all do take place between the years of 77 and 79. I limited myself to that. However, this was tougher because I like most of this kind of era of music, um, but I did choose a few I don't like. And, and you know, I start with the one I kind of hate the least and move forward from there. And by the end of the list, it's really the stuff I don't like. Uh, so the first one is Anne Murray, You Needed Me. So let's play the clip. You put me high upon a horrible <laughs> it's actually not that bad right it's 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 just i just can't stand her kind of sappy ballads yeah. it's just not for me and um you know i kind of wanted to find some fun facts to kind of diss her but really what i found is she really just seems like a pretty awesome person you know <laughs> like yeah. you know, i have to say she's kind of like canadian almost like the you know a canadian saint yeah you know, she's one of the biggest female art, probably the, uh, well, you know, obviously Celine Dion would be the biggest female artist from Canada. And, you know, we have Joni Mitchell is very big, but as far as record sales, Anne Murray's up there, you know, over 55 million records sold. She's won all kinds of Grammys. You know, this song was a number probably one more hit. than uh, Neil Young and Rush combined, unfortunately. Oh yeah. Yeah. A num number one hit, you know, uh, 
And, you know, she's been honored by the Order of Canada, which is kind of Canada's version of knighthood, right? Yeah. So she's like the Dame uh, Anne Murray, and she's like Canadian royalty, and she's done all kinds of stuff for charity, as I mentioned. So, you know, one of the things that I found was one of her albums is called Honey, Wheat, and Laughter. <laughs> that kind of sums up what I think of her perfectly. So, you know, I'm starting with the least kind of worst. But one thing I remember as a kid is we had this talent show in fourth grade. And I don't think I was in it, but some people were in it. And one of the girls, Kim Taylor, in my fourth grade class, she did this lip sync to the song. And kind of that makes me hate the song even more because I think lip syncing might be the dumbest thing ever. Yeah. Like in spite of Jeff's kind of, uh, you know, dancing in the moonlight, that kind of may, maybe the good kind of lip sync. This was the bad kind of lip sync. And she dramatized the song. And when he, when she says she put me on a pedestal, she got up and stood on a chair Oh God! Uh, and did that. And it was just, I was just like, kind of like, this is talent. I, I don't get it. Yeah. At any rate, that's my number one short. All right. Anne Marie. So my number one short, all of these could qualify as the worst thing ever. So they're not in any particular order. You can choose your own order. I hate this fucking song. I'm going to play it and we're going to talk about it in detail. I was tired of my life. So I know a lot of people like this song. Uh, maybe you're one of them, Slip, but I yeah, this is, fucking we'll, we'll hate this song. We'll talk about that after you give your spiel. I'll, so I'll this song, my this, this is supposed to be like a 70s kind of, this guy's a little bit of a, a you know, a, a scamp, uh, a lovable rogue who's a little bored with his relationship and is, you know, going and looking for some strange or whatever it is. I just think the lyrics are incredibly stupid, even though they're completely of the time when uh, this came out. Uh, Rupert Holmes is the is the fellow's name, and he was talking about how he came up with the name of the Pini Colada song and all that because he wanted it to be exotic. You know, the original uh, words, by the way, were "If you like Humphrey Bogart and getting caught in the rain," and he uh, changed them to uh, you know Pini Coladas, um, you know, and all that kind of stuff. Um, he Rupert Holmes here has uh, over time re- grown to resent the this bit of a carefree song um, over the years. He's not taken seriously, he feels, because of this song. Um, And people come up to him, you know, all the time saying, aren't you the Pini Colada guy and all that? And he ambitions to have a much more of an extensive career and other things that uh, he's done. But I would just say uh, to Rupert, um, when you take this big of a shit in the center of the room, people are going to remember that and not let you (laughs) uh, tip the doorman or we're nice to the, you know, the help. Um, I, a couple of the lyrics here, I just want to call out here. Like, if you're not into yoga, 
if you have half a brain. I wonder what uh, Rupert thinks about yogurt and maybe Verdine needs to set him straight. That's right. Um, you know, he's nobody's poet, he says, and that's fuck, fuck, fucking for sure. These horrible lyrics. I, I just think that this song where at the end where he, the, the whole story of the song is he's bored in his relationships. He puts out a personal ad, kind of the Tinder, I guess, uh, or the Craigslist uh, of the time and um, comes up with this, you know, exotic sort of ad and then puts it into the paper, uh, has somebody who's uh, bought into his, uh, you know, hook, line and sinker here and goes to meet this uh, lovely young lady. And it turns out to be his uh, current uh squeeze who's just as bored with him as he is with her and then they think that that's such a have a laugh over that and find that pretty hot and presumably get it on and get back together but i think it's just fucking pathetic horrible and everything wrong with the 70s uh all the bad shit of the 70s all wrapped up in one song to me so um who you know paul do you agree horrible yeah paul agrees but you may not paul agrees i don't agree i i look i I find this song charming because it captures the time. Yeah. You know, it's such a late seventies kind of, you know, what's your sign kind of stuff. And it's kind of a parody of that. I agree. And it's amusing to me, but it's funny because there is this Spotify playlist out there called seven hours of seventies soft rock. And I'll put that on sometimes, you know, when I'm doing dishes or whatever. And this song is on there. And when it comes on, my wife's like, please skip this. Yes. She does not want to hear it. She absolutely hates it. Now, I don't love this song that much. I actually prefer his other more minor. This was a smash hit. But he had another song called Him that I actually like a lot more. It's more of a kind of straight up 70s soft rock. It's got some funny lyrics, too. You know, he's definitely uh, lyrically funny. And the other thing I'll say about this is there is a midnight special clip of him. We watched it that same night. We watched the Nick Gilder one. And he, his performance is amazing. First of all, he comes on stage. He's got this members-only jacket, these horn room glasses. Is, he looks like a 1979. Is he lip syncing though, or is he actually performing? No, he's singing. Okay. Like Midnight Special, I think it's backing tracks with actual performance okay. over the backing tracks. So it's kind of like the uh, Old Grey Whistle Test in the UK. It's like, it's not fully live, or maybe Midnight Special is live. I don't remember. But at any rate, he's really singing. You could tell the difference. Yeah. And it's like, he's super animated, but it's like, yeah, like a 70s computer programmer yeah. he's like the least charismatic lead guy ever but he puts his all into it and it's so amusing so you know i don't hate it i don't i'm not going to go to bat for it totally but again i kind of like that it captures a, a, a place in time i guess once you've kind of heard it though the novelty wears off and i can see why people hate it so i also have a visceral reaction to this song for all the reasons you just mentioned because there oh my god when I was the elementary school I, I went to, when this song was on the radio, there was a teacher. Um, I it was not a teacher I had, but somebody who's uh, you know a different grade or a different class. I'm not going to mention the names here, but this woman looked like '70s come to life with that uh, you know long flat hair, um, kind of a little chubby, a little dumpy. She was cross-eyed too. I don't know what that has to do with it, but it's just sort of in my head. And she was right. dating another teacher at the school who had like this bad seventies Afro with the horn rim glasses, uh, or maybe the, the kind of member, he looked like Rupert uh, Holmes in the midnight special, exactly how you're talking oh, about. Yeah. He had a, this crazy big Afro, but he was sort of balding. Um, and he was dating this, uh, uh, other teacher that I was mentioning. And I, for whatever reason was walking by, 
Um, and it was known that they were dating and it was, it, it was just, I don't know. It, the whole thing kind of turned my stomach as a kid still does to this day. I don't know why it just did. And I was walking by her and he came by and he was singing this song to her. Um, oh my God. Yeah. And it was just like, like this moment was just captured and like the whole mix of it was just like a, no- a noxious, horrible memory um, for a lot of reasons. Um, and this song, uh, you know, all the things I just mentioned were, were part of that, but um, I don't know if they had met through a personal ad or or got back together through a personal ad. Like they worked at the same school, obviously. Maybe this was a, a song that they both enjoyed. Um, I don't know, whatever it was, the whole thing just turned my stomach. It still does to this day. So there you go. All right. Let's move on to my number two. Uh, let's play the clip. Here you go. Times when we turn. The honest days to much And I have to close my eyes And hide I want to hold you till I die Till we both break down and cry I want to hold you Till the fear in me subsides Horrible. The honesty is too much. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So this is Dan Hill. Yeah. And this is his uh, hit song. Uh, Sometimes when we touch number three on the U S charts, right. In 78. Um, okay. This song, I always have hated uh, his weird scratchy singing is just like fucking nails on a chalkboard to me. And I just hate the kind of overwrought vulnerability. It's weird. It, you, as we'll come to see, it seems like I really like sleazy kind of nasty songs when I was a kid and I hated these romantic songs. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, uh, actually there are some sleazy ones coming up that I don't like. So that's the other thing. And uh, there's a, he, you know, he's also Canadian. Um, but yeah, I just always hated this song. I mean, the one thing I will say is the guy looks amazing. He looks like a dirty hippie. He's got this <laughs> long hair, this giant beard. He reminds me of another soft rock guy, Paul Davis, who's most famous for singing the song um, I Go Crazy. Yeah. Right. That was another hit. You know, when I look in your eyes, I go crazy. Who looks like he should be playing like in Leonard Skinner, <laughs> but he's singing like this ballad. Right. Um, but again, uh, One of the reasons I hate this song so much is this guy had another minor hit in the late 80s called Carmelia. You know, and he sings it like Carmelia with his like um, (laughs) terrible, rough voice. Um, And this song, I I worked at Kmart over a summer in like the hardware department, uh, you know, in a a shitty summer job in between my uh, sophomore and junior year of college. And oh no, it was between my freshman and sophomore year of college. And th- they had this playlist of kind of so- 80s soft rock that would come on. It was all awful. I mean, as much as I love 70s soft rock, 80s soft rock, some of it is just unfucking bearable. And that Carmelia song was one of the songs that would come on. And I would just be like, I, I thought it was like I was caught in some plane of hell, <laughs> you know, yeah. like having to listen to the song and having to do this horrible job I hated. So that's kind of one reason why Dan Hill comes up, but that wasn't really, you know, that wasn't really a top 40 hit even. And so this was his biggest hit. And I just remember hating this. So that's my number two. Okay. My number two, you knew it was coming. Anyone who had listened to this show knows this is going to be on the list. Um, I'm going to uh, uh, play our friend uh, Casey Kasem and introducing this song, a little of the song. Here we go. 
Well, now it's time for our AT40 long-distance dedication from a girl named Suzanne. Her letter is postmarked New York, and she writes, Dear Casey, after hearing about your long-distance dedication, I knew that this might be a chance to reach someone who played a significant role in my life. Two summers ago, I was seeing one of my co-workers with whom I eventually fell in love. Well, the relationship didn't work out. Things turned sour. And what was a beautiful friendship ended in bitterness. There has since been a complete break in communications. And the last time I heard, George was working in the Philadelphia area. During that summer, however, there was one particular song which meant a lot to both of us. When I hear that song even now, I smile, remembering those good times that we shared. That special song is Afternoon Delight by the Starland Vocal Band. And if George is listening, wherever he might be, I hope that he too is smiling. Thank you. Signed, Suzanne. Suzanne, here's your long-distance dedication. The Starland Vocal Band with Afternoon Delight. Gonna find my baby, gonna hold her tight, gonna grab some afternoon delight. My motto's always been when it's right, it's right. Why wait until the middle of a cold, dark night? When everything's a little clearer in the light of day. And we know the night is always gonna be here Okay, I can't take any more of that. The, Dude, I uh, loved this song as a kid. I fucking, <laughs> serious. Again, I think it's because, I don't know, I just loved sexy, weird, perverted, gross, <laughs> uh, terrible shit. I have no idea why I love, I did love this. I always look forward to when I would, when it, when this started on the radio, I was super into it. <laughs> well, like I was like seven years old, you know, but. It, you as know. much as I hate this song, Casey's uh, long, distance long distance dedication is awesome. Because, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's 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 amazing. The, the, obviously, I think the guy was obviously fucking married. Yeah, it so. should have been something. Like, <laughs> yeah, totally. You know, uh, you know, Suzanne was basically. It should have gotten like Suzanne Wright, even though he was older and married. Yeah. <laughs> he was very kind to me for those mm-hmm. two times that we met after work. This goes out to George. If you're listening. Sorry that I stalked you, and here's afternoon delight, or so I don't know, some shit like that. Oh, I don't know. He probably afternoon delighted her at least three or four times. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Yeah. I I really need to work on my Casey Casey case of impression. That's the one you really oh, have yeah. in your bag. You probably do it better than me. But anyway, uh no, no, I don't know. Th- th- this song is terrible. The the thing, and we're gonna have to post this. Uh, this is. 70s audio uh, diarrhea for sure. Um, I don't really know. We're going to have to post a video or at least a picture of this band. This is not an appealing group. Um, when I think of this song, I actually think of the, the the couple that I mentioned who were teachers at my elementary school. This is not a, a pleasant memory. This song has been made of made fun of you know a thousand times. Um, obviously, it's a bunch of horny 70s. 70s uh, denizens getting all worked up and banging in the afternoon. Um, if you're younger and you don't know this song or you only heard this song through jokes and, you know, references, think of your parents or your parents' friends who thought they were cool 
putting on their best 70s bell bottoms and running a pick through their massive bushes and getting together and singing <laughs> this song about getting it on. And like, are you nauseated? I am. And, and that's basically what this song is, um, you know, incarnate. So there you go. Um, the publicity photo that I found that I posted in, well, again, will be on our Instagram. Um, I had a, you know, kind of eye bleach this and had to go look at some pictures of Jacqueline Smith and Linda Carter to get my head uh, straight again, you know, thinking about this time period. But this is, this song is gross. The people who made it are even more disgusting. And uh, this is, uh, there's a 90s, like VH1 kind of get the band back together thing that got all these people back. They were couples in this band. Um, they were divorced, obviously, and they got back together to record this song. And it's like, you know, your 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 parents trying to get back together. And, and oh, my God, I, I don't even know what to say other than this is the, one of the worst pieces of shit ever recorded. So there you go. So we should mention, too, that uh, this song was such a it was a number one song. It was a massive, massive hit. It was such a phenomenon that someone had the bright idea of giving these guys their own TV show. Yeah. And in order to help them. Who would you have the hosted? Show, yeah. They got a co-host named David Letterman. Uh-huh. <laughs> so this was this was like, uh, you know, I think it ran for like six or seven episodes before it was canceled. Mercif- obviously, David Letterman would eventually Mercifully, be, you yes. know, get other TV gigs and eventually become the you know massive star he was. But yeah. it was funny that they thought that would be a good idea was to yeah. get these guys a show. And then they got a young comedian to kind of punch up their the jokes. I haven't watched any of the episodes. I'm sure they're available on YouTube and we'll link if we can. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so that's that, right? The the guy in this band, uh, Bill, who's one of the, the the two men in the band, looks a little bit like the guy, the teacher that I was talking about uh, with that 70s afro and the bell bottoms and the open shirt with the chain and the hairy chest and the, the whole the whole deal. Um, you know, I I Ugh, I need to go cleanse my palate. So back on. I didn't TV. know they were couples. That really makes them like the American ABBA yeah. in a way. Yeah. Um, it's kind of similar, except ABBA is way better, obviously. Yeah. Uh, um, okay. Mac had that thing going on, like different. That's yeah. right. That's yeah. right. Of course, they they did it every which way. Yeah. Um, okay, number three. Number three. Okay, so uh, let's keep the let's keep the sexy uh, theme going here with uh, uh, the next song. Uh, let's play it. If I seem to come on too strong, I hope that you will understand. I say these things cause I'd like to know if you're as lonely as I am. And if you'd mind sharing the night together. Oh, yeah. Sharing the night together. Okay, this is Sharing the Night Together by Dr. Hook. So, Horrible. you know, uh, contrary to my other, uh, my love for all this sleazy 70s sex uh, stuff, uh, obviously I don't like this one. Um, part of it has to do with how these guys look. So if you look at them, they look like a Southern rock band. And I actually thought they were from the South, but it turns out they're from New Jersey. And one of the guys, uh, the kind of the main mascot of the band, he's not the lead singer on this song. But this is guy, Ray Sawyer, you know, rest in peace. He died in 2018. He's the guy with a patch yeah. on his eye. You know, this is the kind of the iconic guy of, of the band. And um, he uh, actually got into a car accident in the late 60s. That's how he got that patch, right? 
And originally the band was called Dr. Hook and the Medicine Show. And they had an even worse song that was their first hit that doesn't sound like anything else they ever charted with, which was called On the Cover of the Rolling Stone. And it was early, like, yeah, 1972. That's AM Gold 2, but it's kind of more what you'd expect a band like this to play, kind of a folky, rocky thing. But in the late 70s, they did these kind of disco kind of sexy songs, like Sharing the Night Together was one. And the other big one was called Sexy Eyes. Um, (laughs) Right. And um, so, so yeah, they basically, uh, I just always hated the way this, these vocals were just like, you know, so what, you lonely girl, you know, (laughs) kind of weird. And I just always hated this song, you know, and uh, another fun fact, it just, it's, it's like exile, but somehow it's creepier to me, even though exile looked really creepy too. And exile, it's, it's more dynamic, right? There's all these different parts and it's got this great guitar melody and stuff. Whereas this is just kind of boring. Yeah. So again, it's low on my list. My list is pretty much in order of how much I dislike these songs. I could almost argue that this is a little, maybe the Dan Hill and this could swap because I think I hate that more. Yeah. But again, this band is just, they had more hits. So I kind of hate them more for having more hits. So, <laughs> you know, because I don't like anything they ever really did. Um, at any rate, uh, that is my number three. All right. Let's move on. My number three. I'm just going to play it, you know it. We disagree about it, but here you go. There's been a load of compromising on the road to my horizon. But I'm going to be where the lights are shining on me. Like a rhinestone cowboy. Riding on on a horse and a star-spangled rodeo. Okay, if you were alive how, how in the seventies, how dare you? <laughs> this is a terrible <laughs> song from a guy who's a great musician. Glenn Campbell was obviously part of the Wrecking Crew and a, an awesome guitarist. This was a cash grab, in my opinion. The video is amazing. We're gonna have to link to that. Show him, you know, on a in his cowboy outfit on a on a glue factory horse in you know the back lots of a movie set in Southern California. Um, anyway, I as a kid heard this song every 10 minutes as everybody did in the seventies. And I am traumatized by it. I hate this song. Um, I liked it. I think as a kid, I don't know, maybe it was like a Stockholm, uh, you know, syndrome kind of thing going on. Um, To me, the seventies had a lot of great music, uh, arguably the greatest music decade ever in a lot of ways, but this ain't one of those songs to me. I think it's a goof of a song and uh, I know you love it. So go. Yeah, I, I think this is a travesty that you put this on your short list. Uh, this is one of those songs to me that is kind of almost, it seems like it's made for kids. Like it's it's one of these songs that's a, a song that you can just, that kid, it's like a sing-along song. I think of American Pie, even though American Pie is this really sophisticated thing about Buddy Holly and Mick Jagger and all this metaphors, but the chorus with whiskey and rye, I just remember kids singing, yeah. that, you know, like I singing that as a kid. Or another one is... Um, you know, like one toke over the line, sweet Jesus. Yeah. Even though it's about, you know, tokes and yeah. joints. Yeah. It's like, it's like such a, you know, scene now down in a railway station, you know, but Rhinestone Cowboy for me was that. And I just remember loving this song. I even love Southern Nights as kind of little disco follow-up, but you know, he's an absolute legend. Like you said, Wrecking Crew. And he had these massive, I, I never remember really listening to his 60s stuff when I was a kid, but my wife, 
her parents listened to the station KLOK, which was another soft rock, but it was kind of for a more square soft rock station. And they played older stuff. So they played like Wichita Lineman and Gentle on My Mind is hits from the, the 60s, yeah. which I now like too. Uh, but the, to the, me, this song is just a timeless classic. And every time I hear it, I get a warm feeling. Of, and it remember, I remember like, even though as a kid, I wasn't that happy with life. I kind of have this nostalgia for this song. So I just can't see it being a short, but you know, to each their own. That's yeah. what this is all about. It's a warm right? feeling, it's just our opinions. The warm feeling I get is being in a swimming pool as a kid with other kids pissing in the pool. That's <laughs> like this. Song. I, I, yeah, I don't like it. So there you go. Next, your short number four. Okay. My short number four and number five are so evil that I couldn't really bear to listen to them again. So let's play a clip from short number four, and it's a very short clip. Okay. This one, I, I'll talk about this, but this is really Yeah, we'll both talk about this. This is both our, uh, this awoke. Uh, when I put this on the list, Jeff immediately reacted. Yeah. So we'll talk about this. We'll right, talk we, about this one go. extensively. Let's, let's get it over with, all right? Get it over with. Okay, thank you. Okay, that's that's a, that's all I want to play of that. That is Captain and Tennille. Captain and Tennille are not a one-hit wonder at all. They had tons of hits. This was a major hit for them. Probably most people know them from the Neil Sadaka cover, Love Will Keep Us Together. Also, fuck Neil Sadaka. I hate him too. Laughter in the rain can go suck a dick. Um, anyway, um, as far as this song goes, this is, you know, Love Will Keep Us Together is probably their biggest hit. This is probably their second biggest one. This is a number one song. And I just get creeped out over their weird, sexy vibes in this. So, so again, exile for some reason, a heroin addict, a pervert is fine for me, but a loving married couple, which will turn out not to be true, as we'll find out in the fun facts section, uh, you know, in a hot tub together or a sauna together is just, uh, I just can't deal. And I just always hated this song, especially, um, to me, this was just, I just imagined them. It just makes me imagine them having sex. Yeah. And I just don't want to, you know, and Daryl Dragon, there's a whole thing with him and his creepy eyes, like a, a an internet meme. And it's just such a, I just imagine him in his captain outfit just going to town <laughs> on to, Tony Tennille. It just doesn't do it for me. Um, I absolutely can't stand this song. And I never have liked it. Yeah. So what do, what do, what are you because I am I put this on and Jeff immediately had a reaction like how could I think you were kind of regretting you didn't think yeah right, I short okay so I got to talk about this song so this was definitely on my list to put on for shorts um, I couldn't do it because I hate this song so much I couldn't I didn't even want to touch this song or hear it even to prepare it for the for the the show my mother had this album and would play this song incessantly in our house. So all the, all the stuff you're talking about, you know, the captain, you know, Daryl dragon doing stuff to, to deal and all that. My mom would play this album. I, I want to throw up right now. She loved this song. <laughs> Dude, maybe she was trying to get your dad. I, your dad a I don't even want to even think about like, I mean, this is, Dude, I've seen your parents. I've seen my parents. I don't want to think about any parents. 
doing it to them one more time. Well, this is the whole but problem. I don't with... want anybody to do anything one more time to anybody else. <laughs> well, this, this exactly. This is the problem with the Starland yeah. vocal band, right? Because it's like your parents getting to get like 70s parents getting together and doing all this, you know, stuff together interchangeably, you know, with very unsexy, unhot things and people. And this song represents all of that. It was on on a repeat in my house growing up. My friends, again, their parents had stuff like Rumors, uh, Hotel California, uh, Cheap Trek. You know, that right. is the kind of stuff. Like this this in the soundtrack to Ice Castles w- was on in my house and it's fucking child abuse. Um, so, you know, my mom should have been arrested. <laughs> I still advocate for that today, retroactively. Um, and th- this is the worst piece of shit. I, this song, oh my God, I, I couldn't even touch it because of PTSD and slip you in and put it on the list. And now I need like therapy sessions immediately for how, you know, dis- disturbed I am about this. But this is not, you know, the history of Captain and Tennille is actually an interesting one. It intersects with some of our prior uh, topics. So why don't you talk about that a little bit? Get off the Well, I was going to. I was going to make up the history and just say a joke like, oh, yeah, Daryl Dragon started out as a demon from the fourth plane of, plane of hell. And Tony Tennille was one of Satan's concubines. And they got together and came to Earth to reap destruction on the human uh, uh, humankind with their terrible music. But I decided to actually look into the real history. And I was completely fascinated by it. Um, you know, for one thing. Uh, you know, Tony Tennille once wrote just some fun facts, you know, Tony Tennille once wrote a musical that was ecology themed called Mother Earth. Uh, Daryl Dragon played with the Beach Boys. Yeah. Right. And that's when he started wearing the captain's hat and, you know, would eventually become known as the captain of shit. But he, you know, and I know I, that captain's hat reminds me of Mike Love. And I think Mike Love may have picked that up from him. Yeah. You know, when Mike Love started balding even more, he started putting on the hat. Yeah, and they're both terrible people who make terrible music and wear captain's did, hats. Actually, Mike invent, Love has made some great music, but yeah, you know, but did did Daryl Dragon invent the symbol for yacht rock? Yeah, kind of. I think that's kind of why the yacht rock people kind of refer to him, even though the music isn't really there. You know, uh, so yes, uh, and then of course, um, you know, they had their own show. Between 76 and 77, uh, again, uh, oh I think TV execs, I mean, as we know, late 70s TV was kind of an abomination, as we've talked about yeah. before, with a few exceptions. Uh, so they had this variety show. And then Tony Tingle had her own talk show in 1980. Uh, and most incredibly of all, which Jeff knew this, I did not know I this, did. that Tony Tennille sank back up on Pink Floyd the Wall. Yeah. That's yeah. crazy. Right? I was hoping it was the, you know, about the, the pudding. You can't eat your pudding, you know. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> it wasn't maybe. that. It wasn't that. It was, um, uh, it might have been on Good, uh, Blue, Goodbye Blue Sky. I, I don't know. Yeah, it's disturbing that she had anything to do with that album. Maybe she and Bob Ezrin had a do it to me one more time uh, sort of relationship there. I don't know. Who knows? Yeah, it's it's actually kind of sad, too, because, I mean, their albums present this loving relationship. There's even that cover with them in the sauna, as I mentioned, yeah. which is really creepy. But they didn't have a loving marriage at all. Like they were they were very estranged during the, it was basically just a business partnership. And she eventually divorced him and wrote a tell all about how he was terrible. Yeah. And then, you know, she divorced him when he had Parkinson's, which is kind of a shitty thing to do. Um, but she was there with him when he died. So he passed away. So it's really kind of a sad Was he story. wearing the captain's of, hat? Uh, one hopes. One <laughs> hopes he put it on one last last time. 
I mean, I really hate their music, but I felt bad after reading this story because it seemed like such a tragic story. But yeah, I only played a short clip of that because I just don't want to listen to it. I absolutely hate them. You know, I, I know some people are nostalgic for them. I am not. I, I'm a, I see a, you know, a thing on the internet here. He was buried. Um, he had an open casket. He was nude except only wearing the captain's hat. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Did he have a little captain sack covering his junk? <laughs> no, yeah. no. He yeah. went, he went, they just, they just right. love it fly. Uh, all right. Number four for, that's muskrat four for love me. fly. All right. Oh yeah. I forgot to talk about muskrat love. That is an abomination. And really the fault for that goes to a band. I really like who we could have mentioned in the honorable mentions, which is America who could deserve their own episode. I really like America, yeah. but they wrote that song and that's one of the worst songs ever written. And it was made even worse by captain and Tennille. So there you go. That's my number four. All right. My number four is another PTSD song from the 70s. You'll know it as soon as you hear it. There it is. Okay, so, yeah, I don't know what to say about this other than I fucking hate this. I've always hated this. It's like the symbol of the 70s disco era. Um, one thing I will just say about this that when I was doing a little bit of research, the little bit that I could bear to do, I can't even believe that this is true. But apparently the drummer on this is none other than Steve Gadd who played on this abomination, in my opinion, and played on probably the greatest drum song of all time, Asia, the Steely Dan, played both. And I don't even know that Steve Gadd, you know, cocaine was a hell of a drug probably back then for him. And he needed, uh, you know, play whatever gigs came up. And this was one of the ones he's going to play for Van McCoy, um, who did the hustle. And, and I know, again, you're enjoying your warm uh, piss in the pool moment here of the seventies slip. And you love this song, right? Yeah, yeah, I do. And you can, uh, I, now I know why the drums are so good on this song. Uh, the, everything's good about it. The oh. musicianship. I mean, it's like super catchy. It's got a, it's got that like melody. VD. And, oh man. I absolutely love this song. And it, I think it's a total, I love the kind of a lot of the disco instrumentals of the seventies. Like another one I really like is uh loves unlimited orchestra loves theme by Barry white. Yeah. Uh, which is that, um, you know, everyone's heard it. I also love like kind of the more funky stuff like theme from SWAT, which is a TV theme. <laughs> what uh, about that was the, the, the Beethoven or the, Oh Walter yeah. Mur yeah. Walter Murphy. Oh, yeah. Walter that, Murphy. That's a, that's an honorable mention, but that's part of Saturday night fever, which yeah. is a whole separate episode. That's got to come up. Yeah. Right. So, but this song, yeah, I just remember as a kid really liking it. And it, and it was like a fad dance, like kind of this almost like country line dance style disco dance that people did. And, uh, you know, it was played all the time. But I, I just don't agree. I think it's uh, I think it's great. Yeah. I think it still holds up. 
You can torture right. people at my funeral when I'm wearing a captain's hat and nothing else. Play the hustle, dude. That would be a dope Halloween costume yeah. for you, dude. Get your wife to get that that bowl cut of yeah. Tony Tennille, and and you could be captain. Actually, fuck, I'm going to do that with Bar. Yeah, but maybe you know what? Maybe she'll be the captain. I'll be Tony Tennille. Yeah, that All might right. be even better. Yeah. All right, so uh, the final one, okay. We're going to wait to play the clip I have for this. I'm going to talk a little bit about this. This is very low-hanging fruit. It's a very obvious choice. Uh, I'm talking about a little song called Margaritaville by Jimmy Buffett. I always hated this. Uh, I kind of hate everything he stands for in a way, even though he's not a ter- as terrible of a guy as you might think. Uh, you know, he's not John Ford Coley, right? So um, <laughs> as a person, I always kind of assumed he was a horrible person, but he's really not. He's just really incomprehensible, maybe why he's popular. So Margaritaville by Jimmy Buffett. Again, this is technically not a one-hit wonder because the guy's a gazillionaire, right? He's like worth $950 million. But a lot of that doesn't have to do with his music. Some of it has to do with touring. Uh, and a lot of it has to do with his stupid businesses he opened, which I'll talk about in a minute. But he basically had this song was only his, his only real top 40 hit. Uh, you know, he didn't really have any others. Yeah, I think he had a few in the 80s, like that were minor at edge the top 40, but not really. But again, my criteria was not for, for the shorts really didn't include one hit wonders, as you know, from Captain and Tennille, who had tons of uh, top 10, let alone top 40 hits. So uh, he created this his own kind of subgenre, which he calls Caribbean rock and roll. <laughs> I call it just uh, puke. Um, he, another fun fact about him is he did he does you know feature in another episode we did recently, which is the Fast Times at Ridgemont High episode. He did I don't know Spicoli's theme, which I like a lot more than this song. Um, but again, I only like it really because it, I associate it with a movie I like a lot. It really doesn't have to do with the quality of the music. Did you ever cut um, your heel on a on a pop top and had to go back cruise back home? Just kind of curious. No, no, never, yeah. never did. Uh, uh, you know, I don't know. Uh, this is another lyric song I always like. What do you say? Like eating bunt cake? Like what the <laughs> hell? Like I don't know. I don't understand that. Anyway. So, so he eventually turned this kind of pirate image, uh, the Caribbean rocker, into these businesses. Uh, you know, one, of course, is the Margaritaville uh, series of restaurants, and another one he did called Cheeseburger Paradise that eventually closed. And as of 2017, he's worth 950 million. I'm sure COVID took some of that, t- took some of the steam out of that. But I remember when we went to Vegas for the first time and we walked by Margaritaville, and I'm just like, what kind of person would want to go into this place? Yeah. You know, it just it just looked terrible to me. And I kind of just hate everything about it. It was um, uh, nibbling on sponge cake, by the way. Just oh, nibbling on sponge cake, yeah. which is just like, yeah, okay. What the hell? You know? Uh anyways, uh one funny thing I found was he's a amateur pilot and he was flying this plane for some reason in 1996, he was flying his plane and in the, in the plane with them was Chris Blackwell, the head of Island records and fucking Bono of you two <laughs> were in the plane with Jimmy Buffett. I have no idea what kind of global uh, elite conspiracy they were forming <laughs> the to control the world. Yeah. The, the horrible <laughs> Illuminati, but there you have it. And what was funny is Jamaican police thought it was like a marijuana smuggling plane or something. It was a so they, smuggling plane. Yeah, exactly. They, they were smuggling the worst stuff ever. I don't know. No, you know, I don't. We don't really hate Bono that much. 
No. But anyway, uh, you know, the Jamaican police shot at the plane. And so the, later they apologized to him. And of course, uh, I got to love this. Uh, Jimmy Buffett turned it into a song called Jamaica Mistaken. <laughs> so there you go. They were smuggling shillelaghs is what they were saying. All right. So let's play the clip. All right. So this is... <laughs> This is a clip. Just play it. Okay. Let's right. just play it. Chatting away again in diarrhea. <laughs> Searching for my lost roller TV. <laughs> Some people claim that there's a burrito to blame, but I know it's my own butt's fault. That was uh, by Ace Frehley, by the way. The <laughs> so there you go. That's I couldn't bear to play the original song because I hate it so much. So I was looking for parodies online, and you wouldn't believe all the. This was the best one I found. As terrible as it is, but it's like so. That's diarrhea, though. But there's like tons of like marijuana, Bill. There's like one called uh, uh, I think it's Crystal Methaville. Uh, uh and oh my God, during lockdown. A million Coronaville and uh, Quarantineville parodies, yeah. like tons of them. There's a left wing John Ford Co- Coley. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. There's there's some there's a ton of right wing parodies called Obamaville that were made before 20, uh, 2016. and there's some left wing parodies. Uh, one called Maga Ritaville, uh, and one called Maralagoville. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's all these stupid parodies of this, but I chose Diarrheaville, so yeah. that's I. I just had no interest in um, in in hearing that song again. So yeah, no, that's it. That's my last short. So let's <clears throat> yeah. move on to your short number five. Yeah, I, I'm not a Jimmy Buffett fan. I, I can't say I, I have as much uh, energy in hating him as much as you do, but I, you make a good point um, on that. So okay, my number five short here. Um, I'm just going to play it, and I'll talk a little bit about it. I can see it. Your face is glowing. I can see it in your eyes. I'm happy and knowing that you're having my baby. You're the woman I love, and I love what it's doing to you. Having my horrible yeah so that is uh you're having my baby by paul anka it's that is fucking terrible it is it's i hate the idea of the song i hate (laughs) the idea he's singing a song like you're having my baby that's just ah it just makes me feel cringy yeah you know it's like oh it's some of the worst garbage ever recorded i think i'd rather listen to three minutes of farts than this song and I, i don't know maybe that I've listened to the farts anyway, but the, yeah. the, the this is like really horrible, horrible as Paul uh, has said multiple times. Um, people hate on this song for kind of it has a lot of chauvinistic lyrics. I'm not even going to get into, but that's not even the, the worst part of it. Is just what a 
completely garbage song this is. So there you go. That is uh, my uh, fifth uh, short, maybe the worst of the lot in some way. So you have some dishonorable mentions you wanted to bring I do up. have some dishonorable mentions. So first we mentioned Tony Orlando and Don already. Yeah. Uh, Knock Three Times is a really weird song, and I don't hate it that much, but Tie a Yellow Ribbon I've always hated. I always thought that song sucked, and I always hate it. Now, my next one, I think we have this in common. Uh, I mentioned this, and then that kind of again made you react i can't stand anything by helen reddy yeah like a delta dawn all that shit i don't mind i am woman because it has like a charm to it to me because it's so of the times and it it has a message and it's kind of cool but i don't like listening to it right i i just don't like her my my wife totally disagrees she has a huge nostalgia for helen reddy uh another low-hanging fruit is you light up my life by uh, debbie boone that barely that, missed it and it does fall in my criteria it's just i found five songs list. i hated worse yeah, yeah. um another one that's more obscure is by a guy rex smith now this guy was a teen idol and he he started this movie called sooner or later it was like a tv movie where it's really creepy because he's like a singer who's like in his 20s and he dates like this 17 year old girl but there was a song in that movie called You Take My Breath Away, which was a smash hit. And it's really bad. Um, Wasn't he on now, Solid Gold or something like that for a oh, while? Well, he he might have. Solid Gold toast was Andy Gibb. Okay. So I don't know if he hosted that too. Andy Gibb and Marilyn McCoo hosted Solid Gold. Okay. I'm going to talk about that right now. Like, it's ironic yeah. that you brought up Solid Gold. Okay, another song I'd put right on my list right away was Don't It Make My Brown Eyes Blue, a kind of country song by Crystal Gale that I always thought I kind of hated. But then I saw this clip of her on Solid Gold. And I'm sorry, Young Crystal Gale's just too hot yeah. for me to put on <laughs> short. She's just too beautiful. Yeah. I just, I was completely mesmerized. And the song isn't that bad. You know, it's it's whatever. You so like that long that hair. One, yeah. I, dude, she's in, incredible. Yeah. Anyway, so that's my, that those are my uh, dishonorable mentions. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to just tag along here and talk about Helen Reddy. So as you mentioned, that sort of, triggered me again helen ready i'm not a fan uh you know all those helen ready songs of, of my childhood make me want to puke uh one in particular i have a reaction to i'm gonna i'm gonna play a little bit about it and talk about it and it's not i am woman it's not delta dog but you may know this one leave me alone Okay, so I wish I wish Helen <laughs> yeah, Reddy I don't remember that would one. leave me leave alone. Leave me alone. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So uh, yeah. So this is uh, called "Leave Me Alone" and in parentheses, "Ruby Red Dress." And this is maybe not one of her bigger hits, but uh, my aunt uh, had this uh, eight track of Helen Reddy in her car. She used to uh, drive me around places. You know, when I, I was a kid, she had this piece of shit cougar. Uh, two door, uh, like shit brown with that, you know, 70s Naga high toxic plastic, uh, you know, interior. And she had this eight track of Helen Reddy and would play it. Oh, wow. And, and this is a song that would come on and she'd love this song and she'd turn it up. And, I, you know, I was just wanted to cry. I wish Helen Reddy would leave me alone. And she taunts my memories of childhood to this day. Oh, man, that so sounds awful. It, it is completely awful. Uh, Delta Dawn and and I Am Woman, yeah. But whatever this song, I was just like when I when I was playing it, I had that um, moment. You know, like sometimes things can trigger you where you back in time. Yeah, you know, smells do that a lot. You know, when I heard this song, I was just like, 
the smell of that shitty uh, Naga hide is p- toxic plastic from her car baking in the Southern California's sun in the seventies is like immediately came to my mind and, and uh, yeah, not a good thing. So uh, on that, I think we have our last commercial break. I want, I want to play for you. To mission control, I am leaving planet Earth. People here go to strange places called Burger King. They get French fries, they get thick shakes, very good. They get big hamburger called Whopper. It takes two hands to handle. I have questions while eating Whopper. What do I do with my other three hands? It takes two hands to handle a Whopper. The two-fisted burger at Burger King. Did Daryl Dragon write that? I just I, I, <laughs> I don't know. I almost want to put in the humans eat the whopper, they get heart disease and diabetes. Yeah. <laughs> and and become obese. Pounds. Yeah. <laughs> but at least that kind of removes the taste of leave me alone. Yeah. Um from our from our mouths and we 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 get some nice fast food. Yeah. All right, so that concludes our episode of 70s AM Gold. Uh, we ended on a high note, thankfully, uh, with Burger King, diabetes, obesity, and, yeah. uh, and, and uh, heart disease there. So uh, that'll do it for us. Hope you enjoyed this trip down memory lane, or if you didn't live during this time, you've learned enough things to go and investigate. Um, and if you ever meet me in person, you'll know to torture me with Helen Reddy and the Van McCoy and Glenn Campbell. So... All right, uh, that's it for me. I'm Jeff, and that's Slip. And I'm Slip. We'll see you Signing next time. Signing out, KCFX. KCFX. We'll work on our Casey Kasem impressions. I, I do yeah. feel like that's something that we should be able to do at the, at some point, but uh, we're not very talented from an imitation point of view. But anyway, signing off, Casey Kasem. These guys are from England. Who gives a diddly shit? All right. All right.